This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wimmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today, we are going to be talking about Carmelo Anthony returning to the NBA. Then we're going to jump into a little bit of Wet Boys. Then we're going to be talking about James Harden. And then we're going to wrap it up with some Timberwolves talk. We're super excited to, uh, to 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 talk to you today. We're super excited that you joined us, uh, whether it be on Patreon.com, or not Patreon.com, uh, YouTube.com, uh, whether it be on Blog Talk Radio, whether it be on Stitcher, uh, whether it be on uh, iTunes, yeah. uh, wherever you may join us, we are thankful that you are joining us. And if you do want to help us out, even though you're joining us, check out Patreon.com slash Most of Podcast. You can become a patron. Uh, at the $1 tier, you'll be able to join our very active Discord, and uh, we do live watch-alongs. Did you guys do this week uh we did uh for the new york knicks versus bulls this week how'd it go uh, pretty good actually nice we had i think five six people in there i had to kick jake off of uh discord mm. for being you basically yeah and uh you know he he, he got invited back in so what was the reaction with the kobe white dude like pop off it was fire it was fire um but to be honest with you i was a little disappointed that ricky did not join because i was like oh this is great we can have ricky here and then it's like we get the Ricky thoughts during the game, and I was like, we're, we're going to figure out a way to do the Ricky thoughts in Discord one episode. Mm-hmm. I want to get like a group one where it's like we can all like pitch in. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll figure that out in a bit, but yeah, it's exciting. I mean, if it's want, a good time. It's super easy, barely an inconvenience. If, if you want to join one of Dave's watch-alongs, uh, check out <laughs> patreon.com slash podcast. You guys are invited. Dave's NBA watch-alongs. I've been working. Yeah. You, you, have the, you have the prime. I have a normal schedule. You have the prime schedule of just working. You work 9 to 5 pretty much, right? Uh, about 7 to 4. 7 to 4. You work a normal schedule, though. Yep. So you you, you have mm-hmm. your nights to yourself, and yep. I, I don't. Um, but anyways, um, I'm not upset with that. I like my job. Uh, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, check out patreon.com slash most podcast. Uh, let's talk about Carmelo Anthony. Uh, he just signed a one-year deal with the Portland Trailblazers. It is non-guaranteed. Uh, he will be having a physical soon. Uh, Woj is reporting that it could come as soon as Saturday. However, he isn't expected to make his Portland Trailblazers debut until Tuesday's game of the uh, against the Pelicans at the earliest. So, he won't be able to, or he won't be able to play the uh, Rockets on Monday, which is a little bit of a disappointment because you know, obviously revenge that was the last game he played for. You get the revenge game angle, uh, and also it would just be fun to see him play defense against that fast team. Hell yeah. um, but you do get a revenge game coming up soon, and, and this is just a joke. And then we'll get to the actual uh, podcast part. Uh, Monday, November twenty fifth. He goes up against the Bulls. So, massive revenge game there. We get a three-game stretch. Bulls, OKC, and Bulls again. It is a three-game, three-headed monster of revenge games. We'll talk about if he will even be on the team by then. Maybe (laughs) maybe he doesn't even get four games with the Portland Trailblazers. But let's jump into it. He's expected to likely make his debut uh, on the 19th. They make this addition because, Dave? Injuries? Mario Hazonia sucks. Uh, they don't have a power forward. Their power forward position's he, been thin. El yeah. Amino leaving. Uh, Mo Harkless being traded to the Clippers. And, you know, they signed Mario Hazonia trying to take a flyer, and it just has not worked out. That's why one of my hot takes was that they're going to go trade for Blake Griffin because they need a four. They also have injuries. But they don't have anyone good even when anyone's healthy there. Mm-hmm. Who's healthy on that team? That, who's When healthy on that team, who is good? Mario Hazonia is not a good basketball player. 
Who who is their starting four? Who's really a five? But you know because they've he's got so thin. Nurkic and Collins. Yeah, it was Zach well, Collins. Yeah, Nurkic was injured. It was Zach yeah. Collins was their four yeah. to start the season. But then he got hurt, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm saying. Like Imar Hizonia was a you know basically a two playing a four, and then at times he's a point guard. So no, he shouldn't be down there banging with fours. It's just he has the athleticism to get there at times. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I agree. They they needed someone to play wing for them. They've been scratching deep. They even gave Nasir Little time, mm-hmm. which. I mean, that showed a lot because you knew you need... When, when you're so desperate, at, you let Nasir Little play for a game, and you're like, we really need Carmelo Anthony <laughs> on this when, team. You're, when you're so desperate and you're giving Scale Labissier a run... Scale looked weirdly weirdly good out there. Scale always looks He can't like, body defense, though. He, he's he's a guy that has the ability to look good, but yeah. he's, he looks good in a uniform. I think I've heard that before. He looks good <laughs> in a uniform, but that's about it. Um, like, he has his moments. He's, he, he's super athletic. He was, like, the first... Uh, Player he was in his a, high school class, yeah, yep. right, or like at least top five. He was. Um, he was. He was a huge recruit coming out of Cal, uh, high school. So I mean, but he hasn't. He didn't turn it into anything. Um, let's not talk about Scalabus yet. Uh, this is a Scalabus episode, isn't it? No. Uh, Carmelo Anthony uh, now coming back. Uh, he was with the Rockets last year. Played ten games with them. Ricky, what I want to ask you is, do you think it will last longer or shorter than that stint with the Houston Rockets? How long will Melo be a Blazer for? You know what? I would like to say, I would like to come on the podcast and say, like, oh, Melo's going to finish out the year with him. He's going to be a big piece of this team. But, like, to me, I feel like with the Melo signing, it's all about what your expectation is. If If your expectation is to see New York Nick Carmelo Anthony, you're going to be disappointed if your expectation is to see anything better than what we saw the last, what, three years where Carmelo Anthony are about Two. the same, then you won't be disappointed with Carmelo Anthony to where I am on the other side of this. I When I saw this, I was like, Neh. like I wasn't hyped about it because really? Carmelo Anthony hasn't been what Carmelo Anthony what we're used to Carmelo Anthony being for quite some time. And I know there's people out there that are going to say, that's okay, and they're going to use the word role change, but is Melo finally okay with the role change? Because I felt like that's been another piece of this problem where Melo up here wants to be the Melo of old, but as you get older, it's like, what, he's 35 now? You're not going to be the Melo of old. So, I mean, will it work? I would like to think so. I'm not super optimistic, though, and I don't think it will. It'll be, I'll say he's there for most of the season. I don't know when he gets kicked off, but he won't be there the whole season. Whoa. See, I, I think he will be there the whole season. I think this is this is Melo's last-ditch effort in the NBA. And I know Rachel Nichols gave like a short thing on, like, Melo's taking this very seriously this time. Like, it, it's very much a like reality check for him. At the end of last year when, you know, he was constantly proposing – Hey guys, I can play for a contender. Like mm-hmm. I'm well rested, I'm still in shape. I can come back for a team after the Bulls dropped him mm-hmm. and no one else really was interested in him. I think that was his reality check. And this year he came in, he worked out all offseason. He looks like he's in decent shape. And I think this is it. This is his do or die moment for the NBA. Like this is the we know your legacy as a player has been you were in the same draft uh as one of the greatest players of all time. You need to Go ahead and stand up. You are a great scorer. Uh, like, not an all-time scorer, but you are a very good scorer in your prime. Right now, you have to prove you're more than a chucker. You have to prove that you can be a team player. You have to prove that you provide value to a team that wants to win games still. And I look at this team, and I'm like, this is a perfect fit for him because they are desperate for a starting uh, wing out there, which he walks right in. He doesn't have to argue with the whole bench roll. 
That mm-hmm. shit's not even a conversation on this team. So problem number one is gone right away. You don't have to deal with that ego check of sit your ass on the pine. You're not one of the five best players on this team. It's great for him. And then after that, you go, okay, well, scoring-wise, Dame's a better score than you. You know that. CJ's a better score than you. You know that. But there are still at least, you know, 15 shots a game that are up for grabs. And I think that's a number that's going to resonate really well with him because he loves to chuck the goddamn ball. Like, whatever you want to say about him, when the ball hits his hands, you know Carmelo Anthony, Mm -hmm. you know, the long two is his, ooh, he can't resist that shot. But I really think that, like, offensively, this will fit really well for him. If he, again, if he takes it seriously, because this is his last chance. But yeah, the question I, mean, I have is when those guys come back, how is that going to work out? When the guys who are injured come back and it's like, okay, we're going to start Zach Collins, we're going to start know Nurkic. If that, well, Nurkic would be a five, well, would so be that a five, But I mean, like, and when those guys it, come back, well, that's going to create the log jam, and Melo's going to be the odd man out, right? Well, I, I, here's, if if Carmelo plays well without, you know, when, when they're away... I could very well see a scenario that Zach Collins just goes back to the bench and he spells Nurkic and he doesn't play the four. I don't think mm-hmm. he's really that great of a fit at the four anyways. Um, so, I mean, if he worked out there, I could see him winning the job. But I think the biggest thing with Mello is I just think he's washed. Like, I think this is just AI, you know, last, you know, what AI happened with AI. Yeah. AI played 82 games and then just fell off a cliff. Carmelo, same thing happened. Mm-hmm. Carmelo is a very good spot-up shooter. But we still know the issue with Carmelo Anthony, and it's his lack of defense yeah. and his his lack of effort yeah, out, you know, off ball. It's his lack of effort when he doesn't have the ball. Carmelo can still put up like fifteen a game. That's mm-hmm. fine. But how efficiently are you doing it? How are you helping the team? And I, I don't know if he is a net positive anymore. And I think last year, throughout those ten games, he was like a, a, a negative two point one. Uh, wins per added or something like that or, or value added um he was horrible with the rockets last year and i don't think that's going to change he still has been a bad defender i'm one of the best defensive teams that we've seen in a, in a little bit uh that uh 2017 2018 okc team he was fifth worst when it comes to defensive rating and he was behind nick collison who you know played 75 minutes kyle slinger who played 59 minutes then terrence ferguson who was 19 years old and didn't know anything about the nba and then alex abrinas who played half the minutes that carmelo did and he was only you know one rating higher than him he was pretty much the worst defender on that okc team and he every time he was out there he just dragged down the uh defensive rating of everybody else because that was a very good defensive team when you had Steven Adams, Andre Roberson, Paul George, uh, Russ out there. He dragged down that team. That was the thought, was you had guys out there who are defenders, so you can afford to play Carmelo. Obviously, it didn't work out that way for them when, you know, it hit playoffs time, and they're like, yeah, you're going to stay on the bench right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have a better shot with you not playing in this game. I don't think this is the answer that they're looking for. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, I don't know if it's going to be well, here, here's the thing. They, they got put into a situation because of injuries. Had this team had a healthy Whiteside, had they had a healthy Zach. But they've been in touch with them preseason as well. And yeah, that's because so, they've so, had this hole in their at their wing position for the but, whole. No, but what I'm saying is this is something that they've thought about yeah. pre-injury as well. Right. I just so, feel like these injuries have kind of forced their hand because mm-hmm. they need someone who can step up and get them buckets. And that is still something that I think he's very capable of doing. I don't know if they need to. Get him them like him to get him buckets. Dame's had multiple. They're scoring. multiple standout games, yeah, but, and it can't happen because Dame can't play 
44 minutes a game. They're scoring 112 a game. And yes, that is because of Dame's great scoring. But I, yeah. I think what they need is more of a just a defender. They need a 3 and D player. And everyone has had the hope that Carmelo's going to be able to do that. When was the last time Carmelo was a very good defender? I think it, if, if, it, if at any point, His it had to at least be seven years ago. Minus, uh, the only time he wasn't negative uh, it's not was 2011-2012 for his defense. Yeah, he was a zero. He was an at range zero. That's the only time in his career? Correct. He was not negative on defense. Uh, box plus minus. Was that one of the years he was hurt? Uh, he No, that was the short year. That was the 55 game year, I think, right? Okay. Uh, I, didn't, I don't know. I, 2011 to 2012 his, season. His, his was shot. that the lockout year? Uh, so. It was not. No. He was inactive. He didn't dress for some of those games. It was um, a 66 game season. That was it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. He played 55. So, so yeah. I, I, I just think that he is not the answer that they need at that position. And I, I, I just would think that a reason that he might stay on the team is because it is non-guaranteed and that might just let him, you know, last on that team because it's not that expensive of a contract. Mm-hmm. So maybe there isn't a reason money. to yeah. cut his yeah. bait because of the contract situation. Yeah. However, you know, I would rather give this playing time to a guy like Nasir Little because he is younger. He is athletic. We know he can play defense. He can't score, which is an issue. Yeah. But I would rather, you know, give him that rub and see if he could actually latch on to something. And we've seen that he's been able to score before in college. And he is just young. So maybe he just needs playing time and time to get it, grow into a role. I, is I don't this a think team that, that can afford to do that, though? They're looking at, you know, yeah, they're this four team and eight right now. Had the aspirations of being. A playoff team they could take a run because again we looked at them the last couple of years everybody wants to you know play them down and say oh they're not they're not really that good but year over year they keep surprising us and you know hitting that mark getting to the playoffs looking decent in the playoffs except for you know that one series where they I, I crapped on them all over mm-hmm. for the Pelican series but after that like they've absolutely hit and I think that you know they they know with Nurkic CJ and Dame that they've got a shot against just about anybody out there. So they really, I, I don't know that you can take the time to develop someone like Nasir Little if he's in that timeline. Yes, he he's a great asset defensively. He's a great piece that if he gets the you know experience out there, there's a chance he can contribute. But it's not like he's he's someone who's going to be viable come playoff time or you would expect to count on him during the playoffs. Well, mm-hmm. and the thing that I've been thinking about, it goes back to I do agree with you, Sean. I would probably give the minutes to Nasir also, mm-hmm. only because of like, even if he's not perfect game one, he's a younger player. You're hopefully going to mold him into what you want him to be. Mm-hmm. But it was something you said, Dave, where you said Rachel Nichols did a piece of like, oh, he he really wants it this time, and he's trying to prove te- to teams that he's changed. It almost reminds me of like that kid, and think back to high school, that kid in high school where whether it's basketball whether it's book smarts anything can get by on just natural ability like wow they're just really fucking good at this and then when they get to college it's like oh shit i don't have the work ethic to get this done and then they struggle throughout college and they eventually get it done but i mean that's what i was like you can't teach the want you can't teach the hey i'm gonna work on this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna be for the team and mellow and through his whole career I've never seen him as a for-the-team guy. He's been a mellow guy. Like, does Mello get his points? Yeah, Mello got his points. He's happy. And you can't know. change that. See, I, you can't in, change in, a mentality. In Houston, I, I don't think that he was just a mellow guy. I just don't think he was good enough. 
I, he wasn't I, a fit for their team. He wasn't a fit which, for their style. I mean, I, I age I think also he plays would, into what he's. I think not he, everyone's LeBron James. I think and can he would have fit into that team. I, 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 I don't. I'm sorry. I think he would have wanted to work on that team. Oh, yeah. I just don't think he was the right fit. And with that, I just don't think he's good anymore. Like there is a, a time that it's just it, you're done with. Yeah. And he he still can shoot the ball. You don't really lose the stroke, and you you know you lose some. You know, muscle. You lose the ability to hit that consistently. You don't lose the stroke. Yeah, Carmelo's seen... always got a sweet stroke. But I, yeah. I, I think the the biggest issue is I just don't think the athleticism's there. I don't think the the skill is there anymore. I don't think the deception's there anymore. I don't think his ability to have a multi layered game is there anymore. There is probably not the ability to have that post up game. There isn't that ability to have a game that you know is based on him driving. It is basically Melo is now a spot up shooter. So you're just going to have a more high-profile named Anthony Tolliver on your team. And you already do. I mean, Anthony Tolliver is a very good three-point shooter. And that's what they're hoping them to, him to be as a guy that that's... can eat up minutes and shoot from the outside. Is that not true, Dave? You just you want a guy that can that can shoot from the outside. I, I know, and, but saying Carmelo Anthony is a better Anthony Tolliver is painful to say out loud. And that's the not thing really. I went into. What's your expectation? If that's your expectation, what Sean just said... Then you might not be, you might not be disappointed. Where if I feel like your expectations are closer to where like you remember what Carmelo could be, and you let that kind of like I'm not I want to kind of use the word jade, but I don't even think that's the right word to use. Where it's like he's not going to be the same Carmelo Anthony that we remember him being. Like yeah, here, no, I, here. If if I yeah. told if I told you what this Anthony, Anthony Tolliver shooting twenty four percent from three. Yeah, and, and but I know the last career, five he's, years he's a thirty seven percent three yeah. point the last shooter. Five years he's been so like if I was if I told you that he he was going to have Anthony Tolliver's 2017-2018 year where he shot forty three percent from three and eight and you know scored nine points per game for them. It could be successful mellow year. That I would be shocked if Melo could shoot that well from three. <laughs> he can't. Or, um, or, or here, let's, it, it, let, let's Mello, say that. I'm going to give you just a guess of my stat line for Melo. He's going to put up like 13 points a game, four boards, and shoot like 44, 34, like. 44 is high. He hasn't done that since 2014, 2015. I think he's going to play closer inside. That's why. Like okay. right now, I think he's going. I think they're going to use him because he is a little bit bigger. You know, he is a little bit slower. I think they're going to hopefully count on him to be inside more. And you said he might not have the post moves anymore, but I'm like, he's still coming around. I feel like he's crafty enough. I feel like maybe he can get there. I wouldn't be shocked if he did shoot 40 percent from three, or like if he hit that number, just because he is a very good spot up shooter. He has hit that before, and if he's not creating as much as he was, you know. Usual. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could see him hitting forty percent. If he's getting open looks, he's going to hit them. Yeah. Um, and they I think I think he's just going to. I, I think we're going to see more of a drop off than even Houston too. I mean, okay. he he was only getting. I mean, he was getting twenty nine minutes a game. I don't know if they're going to do that. They might use him in, in in less spurts. I think he'll probably get twenty five minutes a game. I think he'll shoot better than he has in the past two years. I think he'll probably be around like forty one percent. Yeah. And then better than he did. Uh, I mean, in the OKC is kind but, of. Like, again, similar situation. You come in to a team with two very high-profile stars in the team. I don't know, CJ's not a star on the same level as, as Paul, you know, George. Paul George is. Yeah. But, like, that's I feel like the profile is set for him to be a similar role to what he did in OKC. But I'm hoping that he can be more successful at it because of this uh, team's offense and the, the fact that they have a better head coach and they have um, different pieces for depth. Like, they don't have the wing depth to take him out of a lot of situations they're going to have interesting lives because they have no center death right now because everyone's hurt. So, like, 
we're going to see some weird lineups with him out there, but I think he's going to get the minutes. I think he's going to be over 25 a night. I think like 25 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be close to that 30 number. One, so, th- one thing that helps him, or one thing that I, I, I would think would help him would just be passes. Like how many passes are you making per game? Mm-hmm. Last year on the team that he was on, Houston, they were the second le- had the second least amount of passes. Yeah. It was pretty much it was pass, get open, and you know they were just trying yeah, to beat. It was when, one James Harden pass. Yeah, and, when, and even when they were passing, it was trying to at least like it was either in transition where it was just catch and shoot right when you get it, or you know off a of James Harden ISO, yeah. uh, or Chris Paul you know passing it, and whenever Chris Paul's passing it, he's usually opening. The biggest thing that I think is hurting them is right now Portland is below. Uh, Houston right now when it comes to passes. And that is because mm-hmm. Dame has been ha- having a ton of usage, a ton mm-hmm. of ISO usage as well. So that could be playing a factor into it. Um, but if we go back to last year, Portland was not that high up either. They were they were uh, three teams above uh, Houston. They were averaging about 40 more passes per game than Houston was. But I, I could see this being a very similar situation to Houston last year. I, I don't okay. think it's going to be that that much of a drastic change, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if he if he didn't last ten games like he did last year. I think I think this is Melo's last shot, and I think it's going to be his last shot for a you reason it's because be he's washed. Short. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I've got a question for you guys, and I've got a hot take for like the end of this is. First off, Dave, the number it's weird. The numbers that you said were going to be his numbers yeah. are eerily similar to D-Wade's final year. And why I have that pulled up is the one thing that the question that I'm going to ask is, are you surprised it's taken Melo this long to get signed? Because the thing I saw on Twitter was like D-Wade. And I I get why he did it. Like he's a buddy of Carmelo. You're going to be supportive of your buddy. But just seeing like, oh, about time. And I'm like, all right, come on, D. We really believe in that? We really believe in about time? Because like. The thing that I look at is even like with D Wade, like he was 35 when he was here in Chicago, then went to Cleveland, eventually went back to Miami. Yeah, they made the playoffs that year, but that was like he only played 21 games. Mm-hmm. And really, I look at that final season. The only reason he did do 43 from the field, 15 points, four assists, was it was his last, like he knew this is my last season. This is my going out party and balled up for it. And plus, I know D Wade, different player. Then Mello, we've never questioned D Wade's work ethic or the selfish. I'm gonna say selfishness because mm. throughout you can't say throughout Mello's career we haven't said that oh, there's been no, a little I'm selfish. D Wade was selfish player. Yeah, okay, then we can <laughs> say that. But I mean, I just I look at it and I go, you're saying the guy who went on this a, is gonna a year be... long retirement tour is selfish that wanted the spotlight. I mean, the guy who left his you know city of Miami to there come are, to Chicago because there he felt are disrespected some, by the contract offer. There are some people that deserve it. Like Derek Jeter was one in baseball who deserved yeah. the year long thing. Mo, Derek Jeter, yeah. the greats. They're all time mm-hmm. greats. Dwayne like, Wade. When is LeBron an great. finally does it, LeBron will. LeBron at age forty four yeah. may have that year. I'll sure, forty four. Not not like fifty. No, only forty four. He ain't going he up to Tom couple, Brady. He only wants a couple years with Bronny. Once Bronny eclipses him, then he's he's outy. But like that's the thing where it's like I'm not surprised it took this long for a team to finally sign Melo. Am I in the minority here? Like, are you guys shocked it took this long for a team to sign him? No, no. Because I think he's washed. I like, think, I, I I think it's the media. Keep saying that. I think it's the it's, when you bring Carmelo at the end, you have to know what you're signing up for. It's it's not the same, but it's similar to what Colin Kaepernick oh, is to the NFL. God no. Yep. I want to go there. <laughs> no. I I was thinking the same thing. It is a little differently. No. I understand the Colin Kaepernick thing has a completely different reason behind it, but from Kaepernick a, right now is bigger than Carmelo Anthony. But if Kaepernick, but if Kaepernick didn't have the Today, other actually, issues, right? 
Yeah. That's not an yeah. issue. No, no, no. It's, if he didn't if, if he didn't have the political stuff behind it, he, he would be on a team. team. Like right. man, we'd be, no, we'd be talking but Mello, the reason Melo isn't on a team is because he's bad. The reason Colin <coughs> Kaepernick isn't on a that. team is because of the the political yeah. stuff. No, I just show. think it's media in general. Like it's the media implications mm-hmm. of having Carmelo Anthony on your team because you are just going to get plastered for it and it just becomes the like, is he more harmful to your team, to your uh, bench to your talent mm-hmm. in the your locker chemistry. room. The chemistry. Chemistry. Like, all of that is in question. They're, like I said, they're completely different reasons, but it's at the end of the day, it's media and public well, uh, implications. It, here's something that I think will help. I, I think there's going to be less drama over this mellow stint because people aren't expecting, like, right. there won't be the questions of, of, you know, mm-hmm. are you going to be on the bench? And that was what was huge into the Rockets thing last year was, you know, he didn't want to be on the bench. He wouldn't want to come off of it, but then he did, and he was fine with it. Um, and then he got cut. I, I don't think it was that big of a reason of why they cut him though. I just don't think he fit on the team. Like if he was if he was performing, I don't think they would have cared. It was I don't think the media stuff is that big of an issue with NBA teams mm-hmm. because guys want to back up Melo because he's a good guy, right? So guys don't care about the you know the fact that he's getting media attention even if he's not a star anymore, at least playing like a star. Yeah. People don't care about that because, you know, guys want attention anyways. Like the NBA loves his attention. The NBA True. loves drama. So they don't we, like, that that's doesn't what matter. We love to them. About the NBA. I don't yeah. know if the NBA loves it. Mm-hmm. I don't think any who shies away from it. I don't know. You got NBA guys dropping diss dis tracks. Vic and Dame are rappers. Like, what you're they, saying is like guys, Adam Silver may not like it. Yeah, I don't know if the league. I don't think Silver cares as long as it's not negative pub. Mm-hmm. They don't care. Yeah, and nothing ne- negative's coming out with Melo. Like, yeah. what's the most recent negative thing? Wasn't even player related. It was, I mean, kind of the China what stuff. LeBron said, but oh, it was started yeah, because right. of Maury. So, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, even with with all that stuff, like. I don't think Melo's a negative media attention. There's just going to be more media there, but like, I don't think that Portland really cares because then Dame gets more of a spotlight. Like Dame had that awesome Sports Center commercial. Like, mm-hmm, if yeah. people are now watch the Portland Trailblazers because of Melo, I don't think the Portland Trailblazers really care about that. I think they probably want that. But if he could help the team, I think that's yeah. what they want. It's in, just in the general. balance of, like I said, is, is the positive contributions from Carmelo Anthony at this point in time going to outweigh the negative of a the media, which I still think is there, and b like is he good for the locker room or not? Because mm-hmm. we talked about how selfish of a player he is. Like, do you want that rubbing off on guys like Anthony Simons, who looks like an absolute stud coming off the bench right now? Do you want mm-hmm. that Nasir Little? You've got uh, Gary Trent Jr. You've got a bunch of young pieces on this team. Even Zach Cowan, still a very young player. Like, you've got all these guys who have that potential to, you know, hey, that could be the future core of this team. And you're going to bring in someone like Carmelo Anthony, who the last two teams he's been on, let's be honest, he wasn't exactly great for them in the locker room. He wasn't mm-hmm. exactly great for them. Um as a mentor on that team. Well, and that leads me into my hot take. Mello will be on the Portland Trailblazers until around the trade deadline. And much like AI with the, I can't remember if it was a trader, they released him because um, he only played three games in Memphis. But he will, I think he'll play with Portland until the trade deadline, get traded over the Knicks into like a trade where it's like, well, this is your final season. We all know it. The Knicks will be like, come on. Finish it out with New York, Feel good and moment. he'll finish out this year in the second Do half of the year on a bad Knicks team. Do many people like? I know Dwayne Wade got his feel-good mm-hmm. moment, but like, I mean, AI did. He played twenty-five games in that Philly season of twenty-nine or oh nine. Uh, 2010, yeah. where they were just bad. Yeah, I know. They, he he was released by the Grizzlies. Okay, so maybe this is... Actually, I'll say that. The same thing happens. When Zach Collins comes back in March, because yeah. right now, four months, 
He'll get cut, and the Knicks will go, come on, finish out your career here in New York. I don't think there's that much love for Carmelo in New York. I, I mean, can be absolutely by, wrong. By March, but like, be. <laughs> but, but I'm saying, like, I, I don't think he had the, the same love that AI had in Philly, and I don't think he had the no. same love mm-hmm. that D-Wade had in Miami. No. Well, if anyone, it's going to be either so that, that Denver or New York. Down the, the rise. He didn't take him to a finals like AI took but Philly. But he has and been he their most take... successful team in the last 20 the years. Yeah. Yeah, he's been their best player in the last 20 years. That's just more pathetic than right, it is but it like still Carmelo is, being... That's their guy. Mm-hmm. Eh. It's the guy they hang their hat on, except for, like, what, Ewing? Eh. Would have been the last one before Which him? Which is 30 years ago. Yeah. yeah, and they didn't give Ewing another run at it. They yeah. sucked. They let, him, they they let Ewing go the at the end. Yeah. I... I'm that a, I that was a different time when teams weren't tanking. I think I think I think if he's cut by the Port- uh, Portland's either going to keep him for the rest of the season or they're going to cut him. Let me know what you think down in the comments below. What do you think is going to happen with Melo? What I'm ending this segment. What do you want? Oh, I was so a throwback to the beginning. Oh, Scalabissier was number two in his recruiting class, behind a certain Australian prospect. That went to LSU. It was, it was Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. Thank you for that. Uh, let us know your thoughts so it was down two, in the not one. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. Uh, what is going to happen with Melo? Is he going to last on the uh, in, you know the the trailers of the entire season? Do you think he's going to be like uh, what Ricky said and end up on a different team, possibly the Knicks, uh, or do you think he's just going to be done after this Trailblazer stint? But let's move into the next segment, and it's our weekly segment where we talk about the dampest of dudes, the soggiest of shooters, the moistest of men. These are wet boys. These are the guys that absolutely went off in the past week, had historical performances, had crazy highlights uh, that, that we want to give love to, uh, or had record-breaking performances. Uh, this is wet boys. So we tr- do this each and every week. We have a counter. Uh, we have winners for each and every year, each and every postseason as well. Uh, we keep track of it. Um, Ricky teased last week that he's going to try to do something uh Something. I got a new angle phrase? this year. New angle. Got new He's angle. got a new angle this year for for his guy. So Ricky, uh, give people a little more insight into your your new angle. I guess. Well, cl- go back to last week for your first clue. Here's your second clue of what the angle is. It's Kobe White, baby. Kobe White having an amazing like the Rockets game. Eh, not so hot. But since playing the Knicks and the Bucks, Kobe White has been not red hot. He's been white hot. And I'm saying that because of Sub-Zero. You got the blue. You got the white in there. He has been ice cold, shooting it from beyond the arc. The Kobe White that we want to see. And Stacey King's right. He's the future. Can't wait to see him doing this a long time. Hopefully a long time here in Chicago. I mean, he he just had uh, you know a, a good game if you take, or an amazing game if you yeah. take the second half, or sorry, the fourth quarter of that, what was it, the Cavs game? Uh, mm-hmm. Or who the, who the hell was it at home? Uh it the, was not the, the seven threes. It uh, was Knicks. Yeah, it was a shitty team. Uh, the Knicks, yeah. and then the the first half of the Bucks game. If you just take those, that's an amazing game. Outside of that, he was Kobe White, and mm-hmm. he's just he's just a a microwave. That is literally all he is. Yeah. I, and I, I, uh, people he, say he that he's a point I'm guard. I'm getting excited need to about slow my down team because he's not a point guard. Yeah, no. that guy is a true number two, and you guys have <laughs> two guys that are great scorers. And that's about it. And Zach Levine and Kobe White. But it was just, fun to watch. Just let me be happy about my team, guys. Just let me be happy. And uh, radio great Chuck Swirsky was already putting him in the Hall of Fame after oh, a 7-3 against the Knicks. It, it was fantastic. You can find it on my Twitter. I think it was it was a miracle. Of what he, It was a great call. And it like Chuck was just like, put him in the Hall of Fame. He's like all upset. He was like, put him in the Hall. It's awesome. <laughs> a great call by Chuck Swirsky. Uh, oh, that's Dave, amazing. Give us your one boy. Sure. I'm going after one of our namesakes. One of the guys that actually started the whole topic of wet boys. I'm going with the moist one, Malik Monk. This kid has been just tantalizing us year over year in the NBA. I'm like, 
please, I watch what you can do in college. I just want to see you do it again in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And now he has the minutes. It's it's crazy. For someone who went as high in the draft as he did, with as much talent as he has had, I've not seen someone get less playing time in the NBA than he has to start his career. But Malik Monk, holy shit, this kid has just absolute talent oozing. He can score from anywhere. And Detroit, I am sorry. But that last second game winner that he capped off, like, I texted right after. I was like, yep, nope, that's my white boy. Mm-hmm. That, that kid right there. Because three games in a row, he's had uh, 15, 20, and 19 points. He's been shooting incredibly well from the field. He has everything coming together for him. And I hope that stretch continues because we've seen, you know, a two-game, a three-game spurts from him in the past where it's like, okay, he's starting to get the hang of this. Mm-hmm. And I think this could be really it. I think this is the start of his consistency. I think that they've changed their lineup around enough times. This is his time. Yeah, NBA.com put up a, a video of all angles for uh, Malik oh, Monk's buzz, so buzzer beater right in the face of Andre Drummond. It was, it was pretty sweet. Um, so check it out if you haven't. But yeah, Malik Monk, name namesake of the uh, of the podcast. This is a one-footed fall-away shot. Come and, on. And one thing, too, that's been crazy about the, the Hornets is they've been mm-hmm. a weirdly fun watch. Yeah. Terry Rozier has had a couple games. Devonta Graham's been a, a very good player throughout their oh first uh, 11 He's games, awesome. I think. So you're saying PJ these guys Washington's can ball without Kemba? Huh? You, you're saying these guys can ball without the, the eclipse of no, Kemba they Walker still being there? They're not okay. a good team, but they're a fun they're team. They're just fun to watch. No, I'm yeah. saying like now that it's not just like Kemba, Kemba, Kemba. It makes it's like, me jealous. Oh, we've got like other guys we can focus on now with the Hornets. I, it's just it's it's less yes. pathetic because they had a great player in Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. It's like all right, you're wasting them, and now you're not wasting them. You're just letting the kids play. It's yeah. fun. I think that's part of the thing is when you when you have someone as talented as Kemba was, you have to build an offense around him. But now that they have basically this level of talent that's just a notch down where it's just all these guys can play, but we're not really sure where our team's going to play through. Everybody gets equal opportunity. I love mm-hmm. it. It's been a fun watch, and uh, that's now the second. Uh, Hornet that has gotten a wet boy this year, and I think they are the leader for when it comes Ooh. to teams. I'm, uh, I'm yeah, shocked that they, this is the moist lead. one's first wet boy. Is that true? Yeah, because uh, he's never gotten a playoff Again, one. Yeah. Because, I would have uh, thought, no I would have thought that, like, <laughs> looking at the because Dave's got the thumbnail pull up on his computer. I swear we've made a Malik Monk one before. Nope. Damn. Wow. Nope. Unless nope. it was play- well, no, it wasn't playoffs. Yeah, never going to playoffs. I made that joke. <laughs> Um, Kemba had a couple, so the, the colors oh, okay. might be familiar for that. Okay. You made one for P.J. Washington oh, already. Okay. Well, yeah, because um, you had P.J. Let's That's see. Right. And then I think, uh, yeah, Kemba had had two as well in 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that's all for the Hornets. I think it just okay. was dominated by... Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker. Right. Yeah, it was. It was dominated by Kemba Walker. So if you've probably seen Kemba's okay. uh, name a couple of times on those colors. Uh, but let's move into mine, and this is literally no shock to anybody. I thought it was Dave's at first. When I saw the thumbnail, I'm like, oh, it's it's Dave's web point. You also got the text well before you saw the thumbnail, so you didn't fucking believe that at all. <laughs> um, I, I forget things. <laughs> last year's winner uh, for uh, wet boy of the year, uh, James Harden, ran away with it last year. He had 10. Second place had four. It wasn't even close. Also, weirdly enough, I just realized this, he's not had a single playoff wet boy, but I think we'll talk about that uh, in the next segment uh, in a little bit. But James Harden, don't want to get too much into it, but now a 14-time wet boy. He has been unreal throughout the past four games, shooting 48% from the field, shooting 43% from 43.9% from, uh, from three, 83.9% from the line on 14 attempts. 
43 points in those four games uh, per on a per-game basis. And uh, 2.8 steals, 7.5 assists, 7 rebounds, and just got their sixth straight win, and they were 4-0 in that, that span as well. Um, so this Rocket team has been playing well, but I don't want to get too much into it because, like I said, uh, we'll mm-hmm. be talking about that in the next segment. But that was our Wet Boys for the week. Let us know who your Wet Boy of the Week is down in the comments below. Ricky, what do you want to say? I just want to say, James Harden, he's uh, he's bumming it out this year. I mean, it's taken, what, four weeks for him to get a Wet Boy? Like I tried to uh-huh. not give it to him, even though he deserved it, Although, Ricky. like, That's 10, like he, what, he had 10 last year in the second place at four? Yeah, but I don't, John, so I don't think he... Like, Nine of them were Dave. He was off to a slow start last he year. Let me check. Every okay. single one of them. <laughs> last year it took him. No. Yeah, last year it took him five weeks. Okay. See? So eleven okay. seventeen was the first time that Dave gave him a wet boy, and then and it he would went not on be a the run. last. And yeah, so, and then he so went on a soon, run. Sooner rather than later, Dave's just going to go into hard mode. And look, they've won six straight games. They're fucking ridiculous. They're winning with guys on that team who should be in the G League, like. I, you can't give James Harden enough credit. He's one of the all-time greatest scores. Mm-hmm. Period. So, no, nah, again, save for later, but yeah. yeah, He, had he like deserves a, the respect. He had a str- it was pretty much uh, December 22nd. You you started the run, Ricky, mm-hmm. so uh, pat yourself on the back. Yeah, blame uh, myself. December 22nd was a, a wet boy for him, and then Dave gave him two weeks straight after that. Then we gave him the, uh, the, the podcast awards for three straight weeks. So he was a wet boy for one, two, three, four. Four, five, six straight weeks, and then we got sick of him and didn't give it to him, and then we gave it to him. Uh, I think two yeah. more weeks after that. So uh, James Harden, King of the Wet Boys, um, and I'll be shocked if he's not King of the Wet Boys this year as well with the way he's been playing so far. Let's now move into the MVP Fantasy League update. We currently sit in sixth place with seventy-six point five points total. Brad Stevens's army is absolutely running away with it right now in first place. They have 110 total points. Second place has 93. Yeah, it's our boy King E in second place. Mm. Stealing our guys. Mm. Yeah, but Brad Stevens' army is number one, and King E isn't even close. It's a long season. It's a long season. Injuries can happen. Um, Let's jump into at least uh, where we rank in field goal percentage. We are 10th in a free throw percentage. We are second in three-pointers made. We are... Sixth? Sixth? Yeah, we're sixth. We're sixth. I don't know. I'm looking at Brad we're Stevens' sixth. Army's yeah, team. Yeah, I, I understand why Brad Stevens' Army is number it's one like, now. Well, Devin Booker's going off. Cat had, like, after week one, we were talking about him being an MVP candidate, and people are like, top three MVP candidate. He's got Isaiah Thomas, who is having a career resurgence. Surprised you haven't mentioned the guy you wanted to draft, Dave. Chris Paul's on that <laughs> team. I mean, he has a really good team. He has a really good team. Credit to you. Not invincible, but good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Rebounds, we are 15th. So, yikes. Uh, assists, yeah. we are tied for 6th, I think. Nice. Uh, no, 7th. 7th. Oh. I don't know how to do this. Uh, we are tied for 7th. Steals, we are in 7th. Blocks, we are in 3rd. And points, we are in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th. So, uh, that's where we currently stand. I already have a move. want to throw it out there. Um, available uh, are... Three players, Frank Nielakina, Nerlens Noel, and Chris Dunn. Um, all guys have, have been playing well. Um, Chris Good Dunn. Good defense across the board, all three. Yeah, and, and I think that uh, we can drop a Landry Shamet because he's been bad. Well, he's yeah. also out right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. So who do you think we should add? Chris Nerl- Dunn. Nerlens, Chris Dunn, or more of Mo Wagner? 
Or Frank. Or Frank Neely. Mo, Mo Wagner. Wagner. Can I just right one, team. Oh, no, one game shout right out? Team. One game shout for Mo Wagner to just be inferno now. hot. He dropped a 30 and 15 game. The fuck? Yep. Well, can we Mo drop Wagner. can we drop Frank Neilakino versus the Dallas Mavericks uh, love too? Because there was the game at Dallas that he dropped Dude. 14 points, was not missing a bucket, and was just literally everywhere on the floor defensively. He put the clamps on Luca, and I mean mm-hmm. like I don't feel good about that. I think Luca still put up 30 though. Oh yeah, no, no. But it was like when Luca was guarded by him, he was yeah. shooting a Dismal. So, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Uh, if we really want to go after like steals, I all, all those guys give us steals. The question is like blocks. Uh, who gives us the most blocks out of that grouping? Um, and do you think that Mo Wagner will continue gaining the playing time? Because that's the thing. I mean, like, it is the Wizards. I know, but they're they're a wild card team of like mm. random people go off any given game on that team. The thing we need most is rebounds, which is something we've already talked about. So Noel or Wagner gives us more rebounds usually than yeah, Mo Wagner. Uh, is 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 available? Um, we could go, and this is you know. I think he's probably still available. We just talked about him already. You want to pick up Mello? You want to take a shot at Mello? Mello's available. The king? I, I, he might be. No, I, I, I guarantee you someone picked up Mello already. Someone picked up. Mello. I told you. I'm like, there's no way he didn't get picked up. <laughs> All right. So I mean, rebounds. The the leader right now in rebounds that's available is Kevon Looney, but he's also out. Uh, so it'd be Jermichael Green. Well, I told you. No. It was a good ad. No. Why not? No. Why not? I'll take Mo Wagner. He's hitting two threes a game, seven boards per game, 8.9 points. He gives you a block. He gives you a steal probably like every three games. And he's shooting 41% from, from the field. Mo's scoring or averaging. I mean, I know it's probably that one game. It's literally the one game. Yeah. 12, 8, 8, 12, 14. I mean, he's, he's, he's gotten... He's pretty much I mean, a good Ron, double digit scorer, but based on averages, Rondé Hollis Jefferson would be a better ad than Jamichael. No, because his playing time's all because of injuries. Give me Mo Wagner. He's been on. He's been having a good run lately. Yeah. Like he had a twelve. Well, his rebounding sort of inconsistent as fuck, but that's fine. Goodbye, Landry Shamit. Yeah, he gets blocks. Hello, too. Mo Wagner. Yeah. Uh, so Mo I mean, Wagner's I'm not, had three three block games this year. I mean, come on. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too worried about our team. I think our team's going to be fine. We're in striking distance, prepping for Victor Oladipo comes back. Yeah. Um, and then uh, yeah, I mean, Kawhi's been in and out. Otto Porter sucked ass, but we can't drop him because we're in a 16 team league. We need to get your boy. So the supernova. Your boy. He's the most added player right now of the free agents. Who? Supernova. Terrence offense. Ross. He's available? Yeah. What? You know? Mm-hmm. He's not? He is. Yes. I already looked at the most it's available. Right. It's right here. <laughs> right here it says the I, Rajon roster, Rondo. Roster percentages. So 20% oh, okay. of people are adding him right now. No, that's that's how many people have him on a roster. 1.8% of leagues are dropping No, isn't that? Oh, okay. Change in percentage owned Wrong is one. going down. You bum. I ah. mean, still, he's available. We got to have him. It's he's available because we right? dropped him. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Supernova offense, though. He can light the fire at any time. Uh, honestly, Langston Galloway's had a really good stretch of games, too. Uh, if, if anyone needs three-point shooting, uh, that guy... Don't actually, give that help. Oh, fuck <laughs> it. I'm just just out there. The moist one's also available. Let's see. Uh, oh, no, no. Uh, our guy, uh, uh, Prince, added uh, Mello and dropped James Ennis. Did someone drop Terrence Ross? Because I'm pretty sure they like someone drafted him. Yeah, Terrence Ross is available, though. Yeah, I saw, I saw, I saw. I'm trying to figure out who dropped him, though. So he could publicly shame them, and then we'll end this. Uh, yeah, Galloway. Oh, was, I think yes, it was Sam. It was Sam. It was Sam. Sam, Sam dropped, dropped him for Daniel House. November 7th. Wow. Sam. Disappointed. drafted in the seventh round with the 107th pick by Sam. I'm, not, right. I'm just saying, Langston Galloway, yo. 
like nine games. He's put up. Do you want six points a game? Two assists and shooting six threes a game, making forty nine percent of them. Who are we dropping for? Michael Porter Jr. No fucking bum. No, <laughs> he's doing nothing for us. It's a waste of space. It's not true. He's not doing anything for us. When he goes in, he lights it up. He's shooting fifty percent from the field. He's been good. I'm like two attempts a game. You want us to drop Michael Porter Jr.? I just want to spite you. I'm just do trying you, to get a reaction. Do you want us to drop? Michael I'm just Porter trying Jr.? to get a reaction. I don't like you. <laughs> How's that That's for a, a fucking reaction? I don't like you. I don't like your presence. Understandable. We've <laughs> been on this show together long enough. We're like Mike and Mike over here. All right, let it. <laughs> now, apparently, like Wingo and Mike, because uh, Wingo really? on top. Really? Yeah, Wingo Ooh. on top. So, really, it's Mike Golick's the problem. Golick is an asshole. Is, Go- is Mike Golick's the problem? So, they should just make should that it Golick and segment? Golick and just have father and son. Should that be the problem? I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> should, be that, that, should that should be that the be next topic? topic? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, well, screw the, screw the <laughs> James Harden thing. Golick is Mike Golick the issue in, in, in Bristol? <laughs> let us know thoughts. What do you think about Mike Golick? But let's move into the next topic, and we're going to be talking about. About James Harden, the title I have might not be the title that goes up, but it is a title that I w- I did suggest, and I already gotten some negative feedback from Jake about it mm. uh, because of the title. But let's do it anyways, or let's let's let me at least say it, and uh, we'll we'll at least talk about it because that's what I want all of our topics to be is yeah. a conversation. Let's talk it out because this is something that I think someone could say they could be wrong by saying it, and if anything, it's clickbait. Without I don't the want to be part. clickbaity, though. Well, yeah, I mean, it'll get people to click on it, but hey, then we'll actually talk about it, and I, people will be like, whoa, that's a change. Um, but we're talking about it. <laughs> whoa, that's James. Is James Harden the most dominant player in the NBA? And Jake immediately responded with a confused LeBron gif. And I want to frame it this way because mm-hmm. I don't think he's the best player in the NBA. I do still think it's LeBron James. Mm-hmm. LeBron James is the best player in the NBA. He's the most talented. He's the most skilled. But LeBron coasts, and we know he coasts, and we know that when LeBron wants to turn it on, I don't think there is stopping LeBron. Mm-hmm. But James Harden hasn't been stopped, and I don't know if he can be stopped. And I think he is very similar, and this is also going to get shit from Jake, so maybe the person that's going to hate this segment the most is Jake, but I think he is very similar to what Drew Brees is in New Orleans. I don't think he was necessarily loved in OKC, and that was clearly shown by them not giving him the max extension, and he needed to go some other place for him to fully get the love he needed, like Drew needed to go from San Diego to New Orleans to get the love that he needed. It was a perfect pairing with Sean Payton. This is a perfect pairing with uh, Mike D'Antoni. Dan um, Antoni. And, and now we are seeing you know a great player really get utilized to the best of their abilities. And Drew Brees is the all-time leading passer uh, in yards in NFL history. And James Harden, obviously he's not at that point yet because he hasn't had a long enough career like Drew Brees has, but there have been times where... You know, Drew Brees is putting up numbers at a season that haven't been seen before. And right now, James Harden is pretty much doing that over the past three years. This is going to be his third straight year of averaging 30 points. He is going to somehow go from 36 points this year, probably up more per game. He is going to, I wouldn't be shocked if he averaged 38 points. He's averaging 38 points right now. I wouldn't be shocked if he did that. He has been able to dominate each and every game he has been playing in for the past two years. And I'm using the word dominate because he is just doing James Harden things night in and night out. And the only way he doesn't is if he has a bad shooting night. And I want to frame it this way because you look at what he's done 
this year and then last year as well. I'm not, I'm not going to bring in 2017, 2018 because I want to focus on the years that he's he's put up, mm-hmm. you know, league leading, you know, crazy numbers like 36 points last year per game and right now 38 points. So per the game. last two years, yeah, um, he did he did lead the league, uh, you know, the year before prior mm-hmm. as well. Um, but James Harden last night uh, went off for 44 points, 13 and 26 from the field, 12 and 14 from the field. And I just wanted to, like, find, when was the last time he didn't have a game that was a James Harden game where he was, you know, putting up 20 points and didn't go to the free throw line a ton? Because there was the first game of the year against Milwaukee yep. that he had 19 points, and you're like, oh, that's not a James Harden game. But he went to the line 14 times and hit 14 of those shots. He was just 1 of 8 from 3 and 2 of 13 from the field. Yeah. He still had a James Harden game where he wanted to get to the bucket, he got fouled, and made his free throws. And if he was making more of those shots, we would have seen like a 25-point game from James Harden. He still did have 14 assists and 7 boards in that game. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I mean, James Harden still had his yeah. game. He yeah. still got to the bucket, and he still forced the defense to put him in a situation that was sending him to the line. Yeah. That is what James Harden did. He has done that for 12 games this year. You look at last year in the playoffs, he did that as well. His lowest scoring output was 22 points, but he put, went to the line 16 times in that game. James Harden was dominant in that game. And then you look at all of the 82 games last year, and he didn't play in four of them. So out of those 78 games last year and the the 11 that he played in the playoffs, so I'm doing live math at a podcast, so it's 89, mm-hmm. and then the 12 this year as well. So that is 11, carry the 1, uh, 89, uh, 8, 101, 101 games. After, mm-hmm. uh, past 101 games for James Harden. There's been five times that he has not had a James Harden game. And in those games, uh, he was uh, 7 to 25 from the field, was 3 of 3 from the, the line, and put up 20 points against Dallas uh, on March 10th, 2019. Then against the Timberwolves back in March of 2019 as well, um, he was 8 of 24 from the field and did not go to the free throw line once and put up 20 points. Then with a uh, Houston game, December, uh, a Utah game, December 6, 2018. Uh, he went to 5 of 16 from the field, 3 of 3 from the line, 15 points. Then uh, November 8, 2018, against the Thunder, he was 7 of 19 from the field, 1 of 3 from the, fi- uh, from the line, and 19 points. And then finally, October 17, 2018, he was uh, 16, uh, 6 of 15 from the field and 3 of 4 from the line and only put up 18 points. Those are the five games out of 101 games that he has not had a James Harden game. He has been able to do what James Harden wants to do each and every night for the past two years. That is absolutely dominant. No one's been able to slow him down outside of five games. 95% of of his games, yeah, 95% of his games, he has been able to dominate. (laughs) He has been able to do what he wants each and every night. I don't think I've seen an offensive output like this because Steph Curry can go off for you know eight threes in a game whenever he wants. Absolutely. But he's not doing that every night. And he wasn't able to do that every night because of Kevin Durant and because of Klay Thompson. And yes, he is playing in a perfect system. But right now, I think you can make the argument that he is the most dominant player in the NBA because each and every night he is going to do what he wants and he is going to put in you in a situation that you need to put him to the line because he's either going to get an easy bucket and lay it in, or he's going to go to the line and just hit 14 to 14, three, or 14, to 14 free throws. Yep. He is absolutely doing what he wants each and every night on the floor. So with all that said, do you think that he is the most dominant player in the NBA right now? Well, yeah. I mean, I'll ask the same thing that yeah. you said. Yeah. Simple yes from Dave, but 
it's kind of like when we have, and this is how the sausage is made here, uh, when we have a topic. And Dave says, is there going to be conversation? And Dave goes, what's your answer? What's your answer? What's your answer? And if it's all the same, we scrap it. My question is, what other player, like, do you have another player in mind that could be the most dominant? Because, like, LeBron, like you mentioned, LeBron's the best. Maybe not the most dominant anymore because of the, he knows when to, and load management too. Like, Kawhi is dominant. Last year's playoffs was Mm -hmm. dominant. But when you're only playing 60 games a year, can we call you the most dominant? Well, I, I think you could then, I mean, because James Harden, you know, like we said, he's, he's only missed four games last year, even mm-hmm. though he's injured. Um, I, I mean, LeBron, I think, would be an argument because when he wants to be, I don't think there is a stopping. You, know, you can stop LeBron. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard is dominant on both sides of the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, uh, you know, Paul George, who last year was dominant offensively and defensively. I don't know if anyone's going to argue that he's most dominant, though, because no. Kawhi Leonard's just a better version of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably missing somebody. I Giannis, mean, maybe. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Giannis, the reigning MVP. Yeah. I mean, Giannis is probably the, the, the guy that I think most people would, mm-hmm. would probably say because he is so great offensively and defensively. So, I think Kawhi, LeBron, and and Giannis can be in, in situations. I would just fight for for Harden over Giannis and over LeBron and over uh, Kawhi because he's doing it every single night, which Giannis is doing. And I, I would think that Giannis can do it in multiple ways, which makes him you know very versatile. He's he's now added the three point shot, um, and he, and he is very good at you know creating shots for his own off of his defensive. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Take plays as well, and 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 Harden's been great at creating steals, uh, so far. Mm-hmm. But I think that the fact that Le- that James Harden has not been able to change, not been forced to change his game style, yeah. and, and his play style, is something that makes him the most dominant. Because I think Giannis is still finding the way he can dominate each and every night and adding things to it because he's he's not just trying to be a guy that is going to run and attack the bucket and dunk each and every time down the floor. He is trying to add a three-point shot and become a very diverse player. Yeah. I think that Giannis has the ability to become the most dominant player in the NBA. I just think right now Harden is in such a state that, you know, it's like fine wine. He's fermented. He's finally ready. He's at, he's at the peak age of his of his uh riping or whatever the fuck wine is um he's at the peak fermentation yeah. for, for for his wine and right now is peak james harden 2018 to 2020 james harden where i think Giannis is still no, finding I, his even though he just won the mvp i, I absolutely didn't agree, vote for him, but the whole reason Giannis won was because he had the best the better regular season team and that's heavily weighs into mvp voting mm-hmm. um you know and that's one of the things we've seen plus MVP, the media doesn't like James Harden in his way of basketball. Also they, true. They share my standpoint in that. Yeah, but I mean, like, MVP voting versus, you know, who wins a ring that year mm-hmm. usually doesn't line up. There's a couple of cases. Steph Curry and LeBron James are the two recent ones, I think, in the last 20 years. You know, mm-hmm. maybe Tim Duncan had one in there uh, at the start of his the 20, the, the 2000s, I should say. The GOAT. Um, He's not the GOAT. No, the GOAT also, but that was years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's 30 yeah. years ago now. Yeah. Um, point being that like when I look at James Harden's ability on the court and how he carries a team night in night out yeah no there like you said Sean there's nothing that he can't do to win them a game like he will will them through shit that he's out there with a roster you know at times he's playing 1v9 and it looks ridiculous but he gets to the line he makes the three he does whatever it takes he takes, you know, eight steps between bouncing the ball on the ground. Some might call it travel. I just call it his next new move. You know, that's that's what makes James Harden James Harden. 
he and uh, Mike D'Antoni have revolutionized the way that people play basketball in this era. And I think that's something special. He built, like, they together built something that no other teams have been trying to copy, have been trying to play off of. It's them and the Warriors have been the two teams revolutionizing the modern era of basketball. So I think that not only has he been dominating, but he's ahead of the curve. Just to answer your question, though, about MVPs winning the MVP and the championship yeah. in the same season uh, in the past 20 years, uh, Steph 2014-2015, LeBron 2012-2013, 2011-2012, uh, Tim Duncan, 20, uh, 2002 and 2003, and then Shaq, 99-2000. And then go. Michael had four years of doing it as well, yeah. uh, 97, 98, 95, 96, 91, 92, and 90, 91. Uh, Shocked so, that yeah. uh, Michael Jordan yeah. was uh, dominating the NBA. Hakeem as well, 93, 94. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's, it's been something that's happened before, but it, it has been less frequent uh, in the past 20 years. I, I think that I, I think that is also a part of it, too, is that, we are seeing now guards at that style become what James Harden's doing. We're seeing yeah. guys be in that heavy isolation like Dame, uh, where you know Giannis is trying to just be like what LeBron was being. I think James Harden is now changing what guards are trying to do, at least guys that aren't Steph Curry. Yeah, like Steph got... Curry changed it for, for great shooters. I think James Harden's uh, changed it for great scores. Uh, Ricky, would, I mean, I, has your answer been changed by this? No, I would say with me, I would say the closest that we could get is Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I would almost say Giannis because the thing that I look at is when I think of James Harden, I think of everything that he can do offensively. Mm-hmm. Like, and all the numbers are there for it. But like, it's to me, it's a little different. It's watching James Harden makes me want to blow my brains out. Looking at James Harden's numbers makes me go, "Wow, that's very impressive." But when I watch, like, when I look at Giannis's numbers, yeah, they're not. The same as James Harden, but when I watch Giannis out there, I go, holy shit, look at what he's doing. And he's doing it on both ends of the floor. That's the thing that I like with Giannis, where he'll come down, oppose you on the offensive side, and then he'll completely demolish you on the defensive side as well. Now, he's he's not the absolute best, but he's close to the best defensively. One of the only ones he almost— was MVP and Defensive Player of the Year last year. I was I was with you in, in not liking James Harden's style, um, just because it was slower mm-hmm. and I you know it's just ISO ball and there's not a lot of passing. Uh, but I, I am surprised that you don't like it because you are such an advocate for free throws. I it's how he gets to the line that pisses me off. Like the the flopping and the he plays like within the rules he's of the, the game. One, I get like the that's, rules of the game. That's being, like, a, that's being a master of your craft. Though. Let me kick out my leg so that I get some content. Like and it's yeah. not even Where like a slight that? kick. I don't know, maybe Reggie Miller. It's not even a slight kick. It's like a huge like wow. I'm doing the splits in midair yeah. half the time. It's just Again, James Harden's game. He'll do watching everything it. he can. To get his team the points, you know what, to get his team the win. You know what James Harden is for me? Hmm. He's the perfect radio basketball player for me because I don't have to watch his game. I can just listen to it. I believe James oh. Harden's been fined twice in his career for flopping, and the last time was 2013. Speaking of the flopping, f- flopping, but like the yeah. also like the one where he was like draped over the guy's back. And yeah, Michael Carter player. Williams. Yeah. Or no, it was Michael Carter Williams. Yeah, and he well, just Michael Carter Williams in the Bulls. Okay, I thought he was on the Bulls that time. Yeah, that was and hilarious. it's like it, Michael Carter Williams gets called for the foul. It's like the double step back. That's really a travel. I don't know. I just I can't Again, stand it. How do you win games? You impose your will on the other team, and he absolutely does that every time he's on the court. Like. 
There is that, that's what I love about him. It's his offensive craftiness. He's not the best athlete in the league. He's not the best shooter in the league. Mm-hmm. But you know what he is? He's one of the smartest players in the league. He knows how to get his points. He knows how to play it to the refs. He knows how to get the wins for his team. And that's why they're on a six-game win streak uh, right now this season. Like Sean said, it's been over a year of him doing this night in, night out. And he's been doing it. And I think one of the to his credit, you look at the supporting cast, you're like, okay, so he's got a center who's consistent. Outside of that, any one of those pieces, you put him in a box, you shake him up, you're like, I don't know who's going to show up. The, the, you got guys from the G League, you got guys who are picked up off the off their couch. Like It doesn't mm-hmm. matter the talent around him. He's just able to get this team to perform and get them to win games. Like It's just been incredible. Where also last year Giannis, and Giannis is fantastic, but Giannis had the coach of the year last year. Giannis had Chris Middleton, who was mm-hmm. an all-star. He had Eric Bledsoe. He had Brooke Lopez, who was a revelation with, with 50, his three-point 40, shooting. He 90 the president. Um, I mean, he had, he had Malcolm Brogdon, the president as well. He had a very deep team, and with that, Giannis, over the past two years, his team's won 68 games, and Harden's won 62, and Giannis is doing it, Ricky, where? At the, in the week east. In the week, oh, east. In the week east. So, I mean, really, I mean, if, we, that, if, we ta- if we take in the coefficient for the week east, it's pretty much just like 60 wins. So James Harden's doing it. In a, in a different in a different conference. I'm kidding, 100. Um, but I, yeah. I, I I think that Giannis is probably the most impressive. I mean, like there, there's He's so many most different player, things. Like technically, like three times in a row. Yeah, there's right? so many good players in the league. I think that Giannis is probably the most impressive player just because he's six eleven. Mm-hmm. He's so fast. He's got this great wingspan. He's so physical as well. Um, he could do it on both ends of the floor. But I I don't think Giannis can impose his will like. James Harden can. And maybe that's the finesse part of Harden's game that makes me think that, where Giannis mm-hmm. is more, at least, you know, it's it's just strength, it's it's speed, it's you can't stop me because I'm just LeBron, that big. you know? Yeah, where uh, LeBron learned more finesse to his game mm-hmm, and now yeah. is more of a finesse player, where Harden has that. And that's why I was kind of trying to compare him to Wine, is that I think he is just right now at the peak of his art. And he is, you know, flopping, whatever you want to call it, He's, he's able to manipulate the refs to get foul calls, but he is able to, like 95% of the games, he is able to either go to the line 10 times a night or he's able to hit 43s. Or, or he's, able to hit, <laughs> sorry, he's able to hit threes and put up 40 points. He, he has the ability to play James Harden basketball mm-hmm. any night that he wants to. And Giannis, Giannis is able to put up points. He's able to put up numbers. He's able to dominate mm-hmm. physically. And maybe he is more of a versatile player than James Harden. But James Harden is dominating in James Harden's way. I I just think it's kind of like mm, I don't know. Mm. Do I want to go? Mm. Mm. Well, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring in war styles into this because uh-huh. it can get tricky. But they are pretty much just trying something that they know is work. You can't stop it because they're just technologically advanced, like more further than you. That is what they're doing. See, but are they though? And this is the thing where I'm glad you brought up the young LeBron thing because yeah. if you looked at my reaction, I went nah. And when I just thought about it a little bit, was. It's almost in, like, what, reverse LeBron? Because LeBron always talked about where it's like, yeah, it was more dominant back then, but it's like, I feel like as LeBron's career has gone on, he's been more of a teammate. More of a, like, a, hey, I'm really good, but I need this team to win to where I feel like, and I know that this leads into something else, but it's with James Harden, a very important thing, Mm -hmm. is his style of being this kind of dominant player going to be the most advantageous for him in his career because we look at it the guy like there hasn't been every time where's a free agent it's like ooh could LeBron join the Rockets could this guy join the Rockets they never do 
They have to trade for Chris Paul. Doesn't end up working. Have to trade for Russell Westbrook. Sean in the hot take saying that those two are not going to work out. So that's is, not proof at all. Is this going to be? No, but like I'm saying that is like he's not the only one. There's a lot of people out there that are like this is not going to work. Yeah. To where it's, it's clearly not working. I feel like Definitely James aren't. Harden is going to be like <laughs> most dominant. You could make an argument for it, but like, is this going to be the most beneficial to his overall image, his overall legacy? To where I feel like it's almost the reverse of LeBron, where it's like, had a team in OKC, yes, it was them that didn't give him the money, so of course he walked, but now making it all about himself, it's like, do you just want to go out? He got traded. Okay, got traded, because they didn't want to give him the con- like the contract that... He yeah. wanted, so they shipped him. Yeah, they gave um, him, Here, here's your option. That's you can right. take this short contract for less money than and you're worth, mm-hmm. or you and can get the fuck out of town. And, and, uh, and yeah. But my point is, basically, without saying, does he have a ring? Because I know that sets people off that are James Harden stands. You're welcome. I just, I feel like, yes, is he really good at playing basketball? Yes, but this style is never going to win James Harden a ring. It's never going to. I disagree to, with that. Like, and we got to wait and see. I just, I feel like. Nobody wants the to come play of him with James Harden. Finesse and playing and being able to score at will. How how is that not going to get him a ring? Like he, his game will age because it's about That's the, the team. Best thing. He needs a team around him if no one wants so to come everyone. play. Name yeah. the last player who won no, as no, no, a no, single no, man. I'm not like, saying like, that as a. I'm just saying like if no one wants to yeah. come play with him, if he's playing with this, no one wants to play with if him. If he wants to play with this box contract hell. Well, and that's not his fault. How 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 is he the GM? Is he signing people to these contracts? Then you, you can't blame him. This is not on him. It, it, is it the same thing as Anthony Davis? Mm-hmm. You can't bring talent to a team when you make horrible decisions with contracts. Like you have to go nuclear. You have to go completely burn ground to get to the point where you can choose at will who's going to come into town at what cost. Like the the Clippers were able to do it because look, they they want. Uh, we have Blake Griffin, we have CP3, and we have uh, DeAndre Jordan. We're not going to pay Jordan, let him go out of town. We're going to trade off Blake Griffin, we're going to trade off Chris Paul. They completely emptied out the cupboards, got young assets, and then went, great, now we can flip this around, we can sign Kawhi, we can trade for Paul George. That's the way they're able to get talent together. It's not like players are taking uh, pay cuts to come play with them. That, that's not the situation. Anthony Davis didn't take a pay cut to come play with LeBron. He was traded for assets, and that's the thing. Like They don't have, they've been building this franchise for the last four years, mm-hmm. on mortgaging the future. They keep on selling forward to try to get the people there now because they feel like their time to win is now, and had they not run into the best team in NBA history since the you know, 96-97 Bulls or 97-98 Bulls, they would have won one. They, they, they came a fluky game away from it. They came an injury away from it. Like It's just time over time, they're so close, and that's why I feel like the argument of ring or nothing doesn't validate anymore. One thing with that, and I... I just over the past four years, we have seen the past four NBA champions take advantage of disadvantaged situations. Toronto, they took advantage of the Spurs needing to move Kawhi Leonard. They got Kawhi Leonard for dirt cheap, already had bench depth. They needed to add a star, and then they took advantage of KD and Clay being out. Mm-hmm. The two Warriors teams, they took advantage of a star, the second best player in the NBA, mm-hmm. being available, and the fact that they could sell him on, you are not going to only get a ring, but you're going to coast to a ring for two straight years. And they, and, they, and they did that. They took advantage of the situation that the market played into their favor. They had the ability to add him. He wanted to come. It was a perfect marriage. They took advantage of free agency. And in Cleveland, they took advantage of the fact that they were down 3-1. There was the whole Draymond Green situation. Mm-hmm. They, they 
they had there was an opening for them to come back in, and they took advantage of it. The past four champions have taken advantage of those disadvantage situations. I don't think Houston has been able to take advantage of that, That's and right. I don't think that is James Harden's fault. I don't think James Harden can't win a championship. If you took James Harden off the Rockets and put him on the Raptors last year, this team still would have won a championship because you have a dominant scorer that can score 44 a game, and when he passes off, those guys can hit. We saw what Fred Van Fleet did. We saw mm-hmm. what Kyle Lowry did. We saw what Marcus Gasol did. We saw what Pascal Siakam did. We saw what Serge Ibaka did. There is no Serge Ibaka. There is no Pascal Siakam. There is no Kyle Lowry. There is no Fred Van Fleet on their team. There is Russell Westbrook, and he was, you know, he just got on the team. We'll see what they can do. But mm-hmm. even before that, there was an Eric Gordon, but I would rather have Kyle Lowry. There is a, a, a yeah, no, a, Kyle Lowry's there was, a much better player than Gordon ever there, was. There was Chris Paul last year, but he Went was healthy. always injured. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think he ever had the ability to take advantage of a disadvantage situation. The only one you could possibly make the argument for is when Steph was injured, and they weren't able to do that. But I don't know if it was because of him, because as a team, they shot horribly in that series. Or last year against, when KD was in. Injured? I mean, KD got injured during that Rocket series, if I'm if my memory is serving me correct, and that's what we heard. Up. I don't think he did. Playoffs. Let's let's do some mm-hmm. live spot checking, Ricky. Because I'm pretty sure he got injured in that season. I remember Stephen A. going on first take and saying, "This is where the Rockets need to capitalize," and then they didn't. Schedule he results. did not play in the last game, so you're likely correct. Um, yeah, he missed. So okay, he missed that the very last game, and it's like even right then and there. That's I know a one game example, but that's an example of it going the other way. I know the Warriors were still the Warriors, and your people are going to say that to yeah, downgrade stops. this. But like, what? You still lose that game. Yes, the Warriors only won by five. It wasn't like a fifteen point, nineteen point victory, but it's like. It was still a James Harden have, game, though. He, yeah, still, but, he still took advantage of it. He still put up 35 points. He still went to the line 12 times. He still went 6 of, five, six of 15 from the field. Like, James Harden from still— from 3. 6 of 15 from <laughs> Sorry, yeah, 11 of 25 from the field. Like, James Harden still played his ass off. Like, it wasn't because of James Harden. They they just lost to a better team. I mean, that was still a better team uh, for, for, for Golden State. Mm-hmm. And, look, I mean, you still had Steph, Draymond, and Clay. Clay and, went nuclear. And, and even uh, Andre Iguodala were— you know, it was James Harden and then Eric Gordon and Clint Capella and Chris Paul. Like they lost to a better team there. I don't know if there was and a disadvantage situation. They had a they had a they had help. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin Durant going out, but oh, I absolutely. Think Gold's and still, that still leads a better me team. back to something I said earlier. When why I would pick Giannis over James Harden is James Harden to me is the guy where it's all about the offense. How much? Like it's not. I don't want to say terrible defense, but he he's not obviously he's above takes off, in the like, league. But he takes off to me where it's like I can you know what not go balls to the wall on defense because I'm gonna go so hard on offense, and I feel like that is something where I look at where it's like yeah your offensive numbers are great, but if he was more what's the word I'm looking for balanced in a sense where like I don't think Giannis would have that same problem like when you say Clay went off it's like okay well. Back in the day, and I know 90s basketball different than now, but I'm still going to try to equate it. Michael Jordan was the most dominant for the Bulls. Do you think that if, let's say, the guy Scotty was guarding, mm-hmm. was roasting him, you don't think Jordan would say, let me get that? Well, let hey, that's me get never that happened like, to Scotty Pippen. Sorry. Exactly. But, like, I got to try to find something. Like, we're, let's say, Chris yeah. Paul well, wasn't handling his guy. The best players <laughs> going against Jordan mm-hmm. at the end of his career was Carl Malone. Yeah. He can't two v four matchup. Like yeah. you can't that 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 did not work out yeah. well. 
Like he never went up against, and not never, but hey, like mm-hmm. Michael Jordan in those '97, '98 finals shut down Jeff Hornacek. Well, Sean, right? Sean Kemp in the late nine or the late '90s. Sean forward. Kemp was a big guy. Yeah, well, I mean, he, no, he's Jordan never forward. went but up against Gary Payton and Sean Kemp were the only ones that like that's what I'm Stockton saying. So, and Gary so Payton that, were the backcourt. You're guys. telling me that he just played against worse teams and that they were a he better team against... and also he was the best player. <laughs> I mean, this is so, that, so, quickly. so that so so Michael Jordan won because he was on a better team and he was the best. My, my point being okay. is that sick, sick, James has sick, argument defense. sick argument, dude. My point is James Harden to me is yeah, the defensive against... side that why I would pick Giannis over He's James been Harden. an above average defender in the league for the last couple of years. Harden yeah. does have those moments where he does not give 100% effort on defense, but for the majority of his time out there, he's an above average defender. I, I think that that was, a, that was something from early in his career, mm-hmm. and he's gotten over it. He does give effort. He does try on defense. And he is helpful. So I just think at the end of the day, it comes down to he got put into matchups where there were better teams. Dave, top he, to bottom. Here's where I'm going to have to disagree with you, and, and the stats agree with me. Um, in the playoffs, he had a defensive box score plus minus of negative 0.3 in the playoffs last year and a defensive rating of 114. Oh, wait, that's that's Clay Thompson. Isn't that so weird? Oh, James Harden had a 105 defensive rating. Oh, and a defensive box score plus minus of 2.2. That's mm. actually... Really good. Weird. Isn't that weird? Weird. He's playing against one of the best defenders in the NBA and was able to do that? Is he all... And this is the thing. I don't watch Rocket games every single one. That was was just playoffs. Is James Harden the one that's going up against the number one offensive guy for the other team? Like, is he that forward? It's like Clay Thompson... That's why you had Chris Paul. Well, yeah, last year year he wasn't because he was going up against Steph, but he was still going up against a very... (laughs) It wasn't like he was going up against Jeff Hornacek. He was going up against Clay Thompson. But what I'm saying is if your defense yeah. was as dominant as it was offensively, you don't lose by five in that game. And maybe you know, that's me being short If his defense was as dominant as it was offensively, they would be the most broken team in the or NBA. Or even half of as dominant as his offensive output. And I just don't think he's as dominant on the defensive no, side. No, he's not because but he, he's, but he's a slower two-guard but he's not a lot plays of on finesse. Ability. I mean, mm-hmm. like LeBron And that's where I'm saying where LeBron, it's like, it hurts the dominant yeah, argument. That's okay, I, but that, was LeBron not dominant? Because LeBron's never been the best defender in the NBA. Was LeBron not dominant? Yeah. LeBron's always been a yes, better because offensive LeBron, player. LeBron's than always had very good defensive moments. He's always always had the chase down block. No one's ever going to forget the Andre Iguodala chase down block yeah, that, yep. that won them the title. Iconic. Like, I mean, maybe you could argue that Kyrie Irving shot won them the title more, but I'm just going to yeah. defend LeBron both James. Both had to happen. Um, both, both had to yeah. happen. But I, I, I don't think that... Just because he isn't the best defender in the league doesn't mean that you know he, that's you, he thing, could still he be an even, above average defender. He doesn't even have those moments. Like even just having some moments like that would help the argument. Where is it's it like, just not a moment because they haven't won a ring? Is that your point? No, because I think he's me, had moments in the playoffs to where me, he's if, had steals. He's if had you put moments. If let's say because you did it with the Raptors thing, name put a clutch moment from a team that that didn't win a playoff. Like that, here, that's here, the thing. Well, finish, finish your. Sorry. Finish if you would have put James Harden in the situation that the. Andre Iguodala block that everyone remembers from LeBron. LeBron hustled down that court, got the block to where that's why we were like, holy shit, because he was like out of the play and then ran himself into the play. I don't think James Harden would have been that player. He would have been like, ah, Clint can do it. I I, I don't think he would have ran him down to one. If anyone's making that play, it's going to be Harden over Capella because no one's, he's got the speed to catch Andre Iguodala. But even with that, I don't think Harden has the leaping ability and the I'm counting on wingspan. Old man PJ Tucker to do that. Yeah, I don't think he has the and wingspan to do what LeBron does. You're no. comparing him to the greatest player of my generation. 
LeBron was yeah. Or, uh, Jordan no. was wizard, no, I know, I know, wizard I know. Jordan. Uh, you're comparing him to the best player of the generation. That's you, what you never watched Michael Jordan play. We'll just put it that way. No. And again, I didn't. I, think I was the, the too point, young. The point is that if you look back at teams like who came short of a championship, you, you can you picture any of those historic playoff clutch moments? You can't because Reggie they don't. Miller six points in what three seconds it is. Yeah, but they that's not defense. The Where's the Seven defensive seconds? moment? Where's the, the Where's the defensive moment stole, that you're looking for? Stole from, the ball in the yeah, he did. Okay, so that was twenty three <laughs> years ago. Something like that. That's, it was like it was ninety four, ninety five. Okay, so longer than that. Yeah. So in the last eight points in eight because Michael wasn't in the league that yeah. year. So right. in twenty five years, mm-hmm. you have to go twenty five years back to think of a team that did not win a ring that had a clutch moment in the playoffs. I mean, off the top that's, of my head, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, you remember those moments because of what they led to. Mm-hmm. You don't remember them on their own. If it happened, there's a million of those moments happened throughout the regular season mm-hmm. that no one will ever remember because but, they're not consequential. If you win a ring, then that's a moment that's like. That is why that is, is, it, a why is picture moment though, of that thing. They still won that game. Exactly. So I mean that that if if, if Reggie Miller did that and they lost the game, I don't know if people would remember. That, that's it. my point. T Max fifteen and twenty seven seconds. Like they won that game. Yep. Like yeah. I, I don't I, I don't think there is a moment because you remember it because they won a game. And, exactly. And I, you know, I, James I Harden mean, I don't think is that level of a defender, but I don't think that makes him less dominant because no. James Harden also hasn't been in the situation to hit a game winning shot in the playoffs. But I don't think that's because of James Harden's playing ability. I think it's because of the team that he's been on. But I, I, I think if we're talking about if you were drafting, if you're drafting a team to win you one game, mm-hmm. I don't know if James Harden would be that guy. But if I wanted a guy that could over 82 games give me the same performance each and every night at an elite level, mm-hmm. I think that J- James Harden would be my pick because he can go out each and every night and will give you a 95% chance of putting up 40 points per game because he will either get to the line 15 times and you know he'll probably make a couple and ones and then he'll hit a couple threes mm-hmm. he can get to that 40 point threshold and you know drop you eight assists or Giannis can give you amazing and elite effort on both ends of the floor but I don't know if you know if you have a, a defender that can shut him down going to the rim how yeah, like a Noah dangerous Vonley. is he yeah, like if Noah mm-hmm. Vonley was out there He's not going to give you that. He's not. If he played Noah Vonley eighty-two times, he's not going to be. He's not going to be <laughs> Noah Vonley. Um, but I, I would. I would think that James Harden, his scoring ability over the past two years, has made him the most dominant player yeah. right now in the NBA. And that's just because LeBron is coasting most of the time, and LeBron's coasting to leading the league in rebounding right now. Um, but he he is a guy that doesn't have. It just seems effortless to him. I think that's part of the problem. Well, and I yeah. also think that it also comes down to. And I know this is a discussion for another day, but what's more important at the end of the day? Is it more important to be the most dominant player, or is it important to well, hey no. make sure that I'm red, make sure I'm got enough energy later on in the season? I know You're, LeBron's like LeBron. I feel like has to deal with it more than James Harden but, because he's older. But that's, but, but that's why I'm much, clarifying why one. But that's why I'm clarifying. But LeBron's been doing it since he was eighteen. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, that's why I'm clarifying that dominant doesn't mean you're better. That's yeah. why I said LeBron's still the yeah. best. Um, and with that, too, it doesn't mean that being the most dominant means you're the best player. It doesn't mean that it's going to lead to wins. Mm-hmm. But you could still be a very dominant player in the sense of you are doing stuff that is changing the game, that is historical, just like Dan Marino was doing in the 80s with passing, just like Drew Brees did with the mm-hmm. the, 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 the Saints in, in the past couple of years. 
those guys were dominant. Same with uh, Breeze went in 2007, we threw 50 touchdowns, and just like Manning when he threw 55. Those guys were absolutely dominant those years, but that didn't lead to I wins. A, I got a in better the, comparison for Harden. Yeah. Carl Malone. He's going to be the Carl mm, Malone of this decade. I don't like decade. bringing up Carl Malone. No, like the reason why is but I don't I, think... like I get why you say that, but like you look at Carl Malone and how dominant he was. But when you ask him the one question of would you trade all the accolades, would you trade all the great seasons? Did Malone for one change ring? the game though? Because I don't think he did. No. Like him, he was the him, man. Like he was no, for the big man. Just because like, he had a nickname doesn't mean change he had the game. a great point. Guard. I feel like he did, and, and a defense great, and an how, entire system built around feeding the low post. How did yeah. by having like? But that Dave did not Gisette. sustain. Like that's the thing is. Feeding low post didn't sustain. And that's the thing is like <laughs> he just was consistent. Would he just changing, be Steve Nash because is, like, is that the D'Antoni connection? Is changing the is changing the game the same as most dominant? No, he went out there and he dominated. Like that's why he was one of the best low post basketball players in the nineties. Dominated the low post. But when you ask him, but he's one you, of. Yeah, but would you trade all that in for a ring? He'd said yes. I feel like James Harden is going to be. In that same boat, where we're going to look at it and go, man, he was a dominant player, the most dominant player. But and that's why I would love to fast forward, ask James Harden at the end of his career, would you trade all of it in for one ring on. to see his answer? I, I, and I don't think ring? he would say no. I, Everyone no, wants not. a ring, but but even to the, to that point, you said that he's the most dominant player, but you he also wasn't. said he wasn't. So no, no, no. I, I mean, he definitely for, wasn't. Like he wasn't the most dominant because he played with Michael Jordan. No, he was I'm never the best player. No, no, no. Stop it. You said you just said that. You said for Harden, like right now he's the most dominant player, but it was just that you just no, no. I'm using it as like you guys say he's like two v one. Yeah, voting Mm -hmm. he'd be most dominant. Although I'm, I already know Jake's vote. It's LeBron, so it's two two. I look at but like on the podcast, Jake's not here. Jake didn't call in. Um, but I just with me, it's like even if we look back at him as the most dominant, I feel like the Carl Malone comparison is going to be what the closest that we get to when it comes to James Harden. Big yikes. Carmelo was never the best player in the NBA, ever. He's not. Carmelo but was never a top five Harden. player in the NBA. Neither is James Harden. LeBron James is the best basketball player in the NBA right now. You don't. You don't think that? Wait. How, how many MVPs did Carmelo win? One. One. And Harden's been top five in voting for four years how many now. How did he win? One right now. I'm just. I'm just I'm saying. saying yeah. Carmelo. I mean, Carmelo has been through his entire career, mm-hmm. played until he was forty, and never led the league in scoring. Never had the uh, regular season credentials mm-hmm. that he's had that James Harden has had, and he's not a scumbag. There's a lot going for him. There's a lot going for him. There's Hashtag on the court, Dave. Hashtag, Hashtag on, the on the court. I can't help it. I'm sorry. When you say dominant player in the '90s, Carl Malone is like the 18th name that comes to my mind. Shaq. Shaq is Shaq. It's Michael Jordan. Shaq. Shaq Elijah Wan. Um, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, Ewing. Not the guy that is Chuck. Chuck, the guy that isn't Tim Duncan, David Robinson. David Robinson. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, Carmelo was never there. Carmelo had sustained long-term regular season success. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I get maybe that's where you're drawing your comparison from. But he was never dominant. He was never the same level of contributor that James Harden has been. Like, when I think all-time dominance, it's Michael Jordan and it's yeah. Shaq. But I'm like, not, those and I'm two not are trying to say that he's... Forces. I'm not saying in the comparison that Malone was the most dominant. I'm he saying was. when people look at Malone... He did ha- like he was a dominant force down low, and people revere him for what mm-hmm. he did on the court. And mm-hmm. I feel like at the end of the career, we're going to be looking at the same thing as Harden. Of yes, on a grander scale, did other teams of, start he was playing most dominant? 
And you're trying, like, and you're That's comparing saying, era impact, to era. Yeah. Like, James Harden impacted his era is what I'm saying. Carl Malone never did Does impacting that. an era mean dominance? I think that means you're doing something that changes the way people play the game. I would say yes. I can, but I can, and the reason why I'm throwing that out the window yeah. is I can change the game. Yep. Someone can still do it better than me. So just because I changed it doesn't mean I'm dominating. It's what he does on the court in that. James Harden is able to score at will. Exactly. Like, he can. But just because he changed the NBA doesn't mean the dominance. It's what he's actually doing that shows the dominance. I think one doesn't come without the other. Yeah, but like I said, I can change the NBA and somebody else can do it better than me. Just someone hasn't been able to do it better than him yet. And that's why I throw that out the window of just because you changed it doesn't mean you're dominant. I, I, I disagree with that because yeah. if you if you can't change it, it like you're you're still making a change. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But someone so could some, still do it better than you. But that, the but, fact but that they couldn't do it better it the than best. you unless you did it better than somebody else. Yes, but someone can still dethrone you is what I'm saying. Or it's like just because you changed it doesn't mean like and maybe know. that's that just me. But sense. like that doesn't make any sense. Because no one's going to ever be the greatest. Like, I mean, things are like, I just go back. If someone came along this year and just popped off and did what James Harden was doing better, would you, like, you would say, oh, James Harden ain't the most dominant. This person is. But you wouldn't say that that, would you then say, oh, well, James Harden's better because, you know, he changed it. This second guy didn't change it because he's just doing what James Harden did. That's what I'm saying. We just did that with Giannis. No, then that's what I'm saying where it's like, that's why with me, maybe why... I see. No, no but, no, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, mm-hmm. LeBron changed the game for guys that yeah. size. I, I mean, if you're you six could, eight and you can and have make, athleticism and, you can, and ball handling and, skills, you could even make the argument count. that Magic Johnson did as mm-hmm. well. You yeah. could you could say Magic changed it before he, he did, but it was Magic, then LeBron, and now Giannis is currently doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what player with like Harden did this, and and I think maybe the one argument would be AI. I think that's probably the best comp for for him is better than Carmelo mm-hmm. because you have a one time MVP uh, reigning uh, uh, a guy who won an MVP once a guy that was a multiple time scoring champ a guy that was absolutely dominant he wasn't really a point guard he was more of a shooting guard um, a guy that played a ton of ISO could get to the bucket as, as any times that he wanted um, obviously had a different career path because he you know he started off and blew up pretty much right away um, and then you know trailed off where Harden has been building up more to this typically when we start like you know slow start to your career yeah. and then building up to your peak mm-hmm. um, I, I would think that he's probably closer to AI at least in that sense I mean, better he, than Carl Malone but I, I, I think better that, peak Gilbert Arenas no Gilbert Arenas didn't win an MVP. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, if, if we're just drawing, like, these, you know, conclusions, I'm just saying. I guess. Uh, I, I think that you could still change the game, though, because for you to change the game, someone else then has to change Follow it you. As well. The whole point yeah. is someone's going to follow you yeah. because you've changed the way the game's played. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, like, you, you need you need somebody to, to lead the path, pretty yeah. much. And, and that's why and, I think he's done. And if, you know, Muhammad Ali wasn't changing the game, then Jackie... Or if J- Jackie Robinson changed the game, then Muhammad Ali couldn't change the game. Bill Russell couldn't change the game. And then Bill Ru- if Bill Russell didn't change the game, then LeBron couldn't change the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you have to follow, and someone needs to make a change before you can make a change to that change. It's just... The I, game's evolving. It's cyclical. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I think that's a bad example because it's just, that's not all about on the court. That is yeah, something totally court, different. I know, yeah. but I'm just trying to think of something that yeah. was easier in my Like, my they head. changed... Culture. Culture, yeah. which is different yeah. than changing I mean, the plan. I mean, the beard caught on... No, I'm fucking... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Technically, Brian Wilson did it first. Fear the beard. 
Who? Brian Wilson, closer for the Giants. Fear the beard. I was yeah. thinking Beach Boys. Brian no, Wilson. Brian Wilson. Um, <laughs> just like Pearl Jam said, it's it's evolution, baby. Let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. This was a this was a segment, and it this was short, and it was long. So thanks for listening. Well, let's jump into the final segment. I, I teased the Timberwolves talk, and we will talk Timberwolves at some point. We're gonna, <laughs> we're going to change it because I said last week that it was too early to talk playoffs, and we're going to talk Timberwolves to the playoffs. Let's Omaha, not do that. Omaha, uh, Omaha. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll that that um, I want to apologize to Easy Wins uh, in our Discord. Mm-hmm. He is a very passionate Nick fan, oh. and, and he was there for that watch session for the Bulls Knicks game. Yeah, he left quickly. I <laughs> appreciate it was fun while he was there, though. Nick fans more. I think they've gone through a lot. Oh my god, yeah. And I think Easy's passion for the Knicks has shown that. Um, it probably isn't easy to be a Knicks fan, and I don't think James Dolan likes being the Knicks owner because he forced Scott Perry to go out in front of the media and say, We're better than this, we should show more passion, we gotta we gotta hustle more, this isn't who we are, even though they're three and nine and you know, no one really expected him to make the playoffs. Uh, and it was kind of seemed like a bus tossing after the 108, uh, 87 loss against the Cavs, and they went out and lost 120-102 uh, to the Bulls. It seemed like a bus toss from uh, Scott Perry, and, 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 and it seemed like they were tossing Fisdale under the bus. And it felt like they were going to fire him soon, but it didn't happen, hasn't happened yet. It might happen at some point, so we'll talk about... Will the Knicks fire David Fisdale midseason this year? I'll go to Ricky first. Do you think Fisdale will be the coach of the Knicks at the end of the 82nd game of the 2019-2020 season? So before I give my answer, the reports were that they never gave a deadline, but it's that they're paving the way to possibly do it this season. I wouldn't. I would not fire him midseason because here's the thing I think of with the Knicks. How does it help the team? Mm-hmm. Does firing David Fisdale... Magically make the Knicks better? No, makes them worse. Which does it? I mean, and, and eh, they that, might not no, make them that, worse. That, that's my question: worse. is does it make them? worse? I mean, they're still the worst team it? in the NBA because the Warriors are injured. That's why I'm saying that. Okay. The only, are, yeah, Record the only reason the war, yeah, yeah, but the only reason the Warriors are down there is because both of their star players are hurt. Um, but I mean. I don't think it helps them. Like, and when will this organization get the memo that hey? Naming a guy a head coach for four years and then getting rid of him after two probably isn't the best way to uh, build up a team, build up an organization. But unless you you're saying you're get making the wrong to sign, unless you give them that long term contract. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, I mean, I feel I feel like they're put in that situation because that is the state of the NBA. Like a head coach is a hot commodity, mm-hmm. and the good ones you want to lock up long term. And Fizdale seemed to have some positivity around his name. He had potential. He, he got the LeBron, you know, gold stamp of approval. He had a little bit of time in Memphis then. Mm-hmm. You figure a little seasoning. But you know what? You're, you're not going to get a head coach on a two-year deal, on a prove-it deal, because they're hot names, and every year there's always a couple teams mm-hmm. desperate for a head coach. So I feel like because of the turnover, because of that demand, you do have to give them these kind of contracts. Now, I agree with you that firing a head coach every two years does not exactly, yeah. you know, make sure that, oh, yeah, come, come join the Knicks in free agency we're building something special. Like, which time? <laughs> like, that time two years ago? That time two years before that? A time two before that? Like, that's the frustration is because you figure every head coach has their own, like, this mm-hmm. is what I'm bringing to the team. This is this is the direction we're going to take this team in. Fizdale, we were all like, what was Fizdale known for? His defense. This guy was a defensive genius. He understood how to get the most out of his guys, put them in the right positions to play defense. Unfortunately, there are two sides to a basketball game. There's also that offensive thing. 
And I feel like that's where it's been most apparent the struggles have come from because they have a young team and they they keep, you know, adding in some veterans, but right now they add in a bunch of bigs or three, four, fives if you want to be specific about it. And their offensive game plan has been very inconsistent and really poorly run. They've looked lost at times. They've, they don't have that go-to answer uh, for, for a lot of the time that he's been there. And they've got a bunch of young talent. Maybe Fisdale's just not a great head coach. And I, I've been a yeah. big guy saying Fisdale is the absolute worst head coach in the NBA. What's the opposite of a stan? Um, a hater? A hater. Is that it? I believe I'd be a Fisdale hater. He's a great assistant coach. Mm-hmm. He can he can get your guys on the right half of the court. But when it he, seems like players like him. It seems like some players like him. I remember some veterans not so happy with him. Yeah. Uh, during well, Memphis it really seems like these Knicks players like him. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know if the, they outright hit the, him. Yeah. Those Memphis players are soft. I can say that now because they're not on the team anymore. So Nick won't get yeah, mad at Yeah, Marc Gasol, <laughs> so soft. Mm-hmm. Well, they were mentally. They were they were soft. That Fizdale wanted grit and grind and. That's what, what, was, what was the big thing? What was yeah. the not grit and grind? It was uh, oh yeah, take, take that, that for data. Yeah. Take that for data was a great line. That's that's oh that's so good. That's the best thing he's done in his coaching career. <laughs> Point being, I I think that removing him from this team is mm-hmm. in their best interest because they do need someone who can work with young talent and get them going on the right stuff. This is a team with R.J. Barrett, number three pick in the NBA draft. Guy is super talented. He has you know all these skills of that mid-sized uh, wing guard. Where it's like, dude can kind of do it all. He's a great rebounder. He can facilitate. He can shoot. It's just he's putting it all together, and you want someone there to help build that. You look at their last couple of draft picks, and Mitchell Robinson was a second-round steal that we was like, this guy's uber-talented. He just didn't have a college career, mm-hmm. and he's been great defensively. And that's what you want because you're David Fisdale. You've got a seven-footer who's great defensively. But offensively and the other piece of his growth, lacking. My boy Frank, my boy Frankie has been killing me because he's someone whose career has been marred with bad coaching and lack of opportunity. And when you don't have a head coach who can grow young talent, you don't build a future. You look at the Raptors, and the one thing they've had consistently is development. They have been a team who has used their G League successfully, who's, who's used their uh, of, uh, you know NBA team to build up talent and get them to the point where they can be serious contributors or even more. And you look at the Knicks, and you're like, man... This team runs through fucking talent like there's nobody's business, and they they, yeah. they seem to keep missing. I, I want I want people to go out and check uh, nbamathout.com or NBA Math Out on Twitter. Uh, they have like uh, total points added graphs, and the last one they put out for the Knicks, um, they have a median line, and if you're over that median, you're above average, right? So and and that median line, so like if you're if you're a crazy great defender, but not that good of a scorer, you could still be it by how good of a defender you are because mm-hmm. you're still a positive of your team. Or you could be a crazy great scorer, a la Lou Williams, but be a garbage defender and still be on that median line. Yep. The guys that are able to add you know great offensive points and then great defensive points are going to be well above average. Mm-hmm. The only player well above average right now is Mitchell Robinson. He's at like ten offensive points added and then about ten defensive points added. That's both negative. Yep. You're you're in the positive. I mean, there's one guy that is great defensively and then horrible offensively, Frank Nielakino. Yep. And then everyone else is either below average and bad. Kevin Knox is a little bit above on the offensive side, and that's about it. And Alfred Payton's a little bit there defensively. But this team just doesn't have, A, the talent, but I don't think the talent's also being used correctly. Yeah. And it's weird that I agree and disagree with what Scott Mills said and did 
Uh, on November 10th, he said, we feel like this is a given. This is our 10th game. We felt that we had an obligation to come and speak to the media. Obviously, Scott and I are not happy with where we are right now. We think this team is not performing to the level that we anticipated or we expect to perform at all. And that's something that we think collectively we have to do a better job of delivering the product on the floor that we would set, we would do at the start of the season. So, and then he said, we believe in the coaching staff. We believe plan, uh, Scott and I put uh, together the players and we assembled, but we also have to acknowledge that we haven't played the level that we expected. I, I think that a change at coach would do them good. And I think the spot that I would use it in would be the team that we were going to talk about in the T-Wolves. Mm-hmm. Tom Thibodeau is very much militant. We're going to play defense. We're going to hustle. We're going to be hard. We're going to... RJ gonna, Barrett would never we're gonna, play. We're going to beat the shit out of you. Like, we're going to mentally break yeah. you. And I feel like Fizdale's in that area of, you know, we're going to hustle hard. We're going to have great fundamentals. Kind of the Jim Boylan way. And then you see the change to Ryan Saunders and the T-Wolves, and this team opens up. I think this team needs to be opened up a bit. And I think they have talent to do that. Dennis Smith Jr. isn't as bad as he's been playing. Alonzo Trier is better than he's been playing. Kevin Knox is better than he's been playing. RJ Barrett's better than he's playing. Frank Nielakina is better than he's playing. I think you could weirdly even say that for Mitchell Robinson, too. I think that he could probably, if those guys are playing better, it's just going to make his job easier. Yeah. And I think that Fizdale is just too much of an old-style coach. And I think they need just new blood in there. I don't think this team is a playoff team with a new coach. I think they still need more growth from their players, and they still need to get a little bit older. They still need better veterans on this team. They still need a more cohesive roster when you have Taj Gibson, uh, Bobby Portis, uh, Marcus Morris, um, uh, Julius Randle, and, and Mitchell Robinson. It's a lot of bigs there. They don't have great guard play. They don't have great wing play. They have a lot of good you know fours and fives. They don't right. have a lot of good you know wing, wings and, and points. I think... Changes need to be hap- made to this roster, but I think the biggest thing that would help this team and even progress them to probably the point that Scott Mills and Scott Perry want, or uh, Steve Mills and Scott Perry want, is a change at the coach. I think mm. they need to take a step into a place that's going to give them space mm-hmm. offensively, be able to push the tempo up a little bit, because their defense, I think, can be decent with the players that they have, mainly Frank Neokina and Mitchell Robinson. Those two guys can create turnovers, and that can lead to offensive transitional points. And I don't think they have that in their game right now. And I think that's going to be a change at at, at, at coaching. Um, You you said and Ricky, but I think I agree with Dave when it comes to at least I think that Fisdale would be a very good assistant coach. I think he knows basketball. I just don't think that his system and the way of the way he runs his offense is most beneficial to young players. You're being distracted, though. And the reason why I'm saying you're being distracted is I don't think Fizdale is the problem with the Knicks. Is Fizdale perfect? No. If you're going to say James Dolan, I'm not arguing. No. I feel like Steve Mills should be canned. Should have been out of here. What has Steve Mills done? Nothing. And that's the thing. He's taken the job since 2013. Here's the coaches that they've gone through in his time. Two years with, well, technically, what, a year and a half with Mike Woodson? He moves on from him. Not my guy. Okay. Who's the guy he brings in? Derek Fisher. How did that work out? That was not yeah, how as did that much, work out? That was not as much him I as I remember Phil doing Jackson, a video though. when we were the onside kick channel before we even knew Sean about how maybe this is good things for the Knicks. Wasn't, it wasn't. What, didn't that line up, though, with a Phil Jackson yes. president of operation yeah. shit? Because um, that was then he drafted Kristaps in 15. Yeah. Um, Derek Fisher only lasted technically three years. He was out in 16. Kurt Rambis took over for about thirty ga- or 28 games. Then they signed Jeff Hornacek. Yep. Hornacek only lasts two years before he's out. Now Fizdale kind of seems it's going to be the same thing. 2018 by 2020, he's gone. And 
the whole reason why you look at articles around New York press and their headlines like, you know, the Knicks are doing the same thing. Fail, find the fall guy, repeat. That to me falls on your guy in Steve Mills, your vice president of operations. Because, I mean, yeah, Perry's been in here, but Perry hasn't been in here a long time. What, 2017 is when they hired him? So he isn't had exactly the longest time. It was 18 months. And looking at (laughs) the draft history for the Knicks, since Mills took over, and yes, I'm putting it on him because he he helps hire the um, GMs. In 2013, they took Tim Hardaway. Then 2014, I kind of want to give them a pass because that was their first-round pick was given to, I think it was Denver, then it was given to Philly. Because they got Carmelo Anthony that year. So it's kind of like, okay, you got Melo. I'm not going to blame you for not having a first-round pick. Then Chris stops, which they but, all booed but, him, but, but he ended up being a but, great player. But that's Phil. So so the, the picks that he's had was, mm-hmm. was 2018. That's when he took over as president. And that's no, when, no, no. That's I'm when saying, Scott Perry. I'm saying Steve Mills. No, like Steve, Steve Mills has still, set those guys up Steve, to then make but, those decisions. No, no, but Steve Mills was the vice president yes. under Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson was making the calls on Chris Stops and everything. Once Phil got ousted, mm-hmm. they took over July 14th, 2017. Okay. So then that's when Perry was put in, and that's when Mills were put in. So, so, so then you have Frank, no, Kevin that was Knox. Post, that was post-seven, because the draft happens in June. So they took over in 2018 and, and 2019. So yeah. Kevin Knox, Mitchell and Robinson, RJ Barrett, and Kyle, Kyle okay. Guy. Those are the four guys of theirs. Which I don't think those Kyle are Kyle Guy, guys. I don't even think what he's on. He's not even on the Knicks uh, anymore, He was right? traded to Sacramento. Okay. Um, but those were the picks that they had. Yep. The thing that I just I think about is like the biggest problem with the Knicks too is this is on the court is even watching them two games against the Bulls. Yep, they need shooting. They need shooting. So what do you do this off season? And this is not a coach's thing. You sign four power forwards. Like to me, it's like you can blame the coach as much as you want. David Fisdale's the fall guy right now. Any coach that was in here that's maybe. Not Steve Kerr, not Mike D'Antoni, not one of the top top coaches. I didn't even think if they could do a good job with this Nick team. I think they could. Like that, like they might. They they, no, they'd here, be better the than thing. they are now, but they wouldn't be a champion. Look, look like, at a team, and it's not you know apples to apples. But we we talked about a team earlier today, and they're fun to watch. They're exciting. They're young. They're not very good at basketball. The but the Charlotte Hornets, their team who moved on from their star in Kemba Walker, who I get it. Kemba's not Carmelo Anthony, but like. That's that was their guy. They moved on from him, and look what they're doing right now with a competent head coach, with young talent, with fun pieces. They just they scrap the books and they move forward. And I think that the Knicks never really hit the full rebuild button. Like they were bad at basketball, yes, but they never fully reset. And this is because they've got the pre- the pressure from the mecca being exactly. Ignored. And I think that's the thing is they they went after and failed in free agency this offseason, which. Fine, but they they signed those deals. They signed mm-hmm. four guys who are all you know. Marukes can play the three a little bit, but really it's Marukes. you got you got Julius Randall, who good offensive player, yes. Mm-hmm. You got Bobby Portis, good offensive big, cool. And then you got Taj, who is a supplemental bench yeah. four. Like he's a great rebounder. That's about it at this point in his mm-hmm. career. And I think that none of those moves were long-term moves. They were just like, we we have money to spend. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can take these short-term contracts and look to flip them in the future. They're not going to do us any damage, but they're also not helping build the culture in this roster, I think, is the problem. When I look at their team, it's like, how how do you have, you know, Dennis Smith Jr., uh, Frank out there. You have even Alonzo Trier. You have, um, God, what's the third one? Alfred Payton. Like, you've got a bunch of guys under the age of 26 
who play guard for you, and you can't find a way to get them out there to get them consistent minutes, get them consistent play, and get the most out of them. I think that the struggles of the short leash, the struggles of the... Well, I know injuries have also come into this because all of those guys have struggled with them, but mm-hmm. it's still, it's the frustration of there's no consistent play, there's no consistent answer. I talked about this last year with the New York Knicks were just a trash team of iso ball. Like, that was their offensive yeah. game plan mm-hmm. was one guy takes the ball and then good luck, and that was the answer, and it really sucked to watch. And I think the fact that they never developed an offensive system, they never figured out their playing style really hurt them. And this year they're depending so much on uh, Marquise Morris and Julius Randle. Do you think it was also because they're banking on guys like a Kevin Durant to finally want to come to New York? But that's the thing. You can, you can have your hopes and dreams on somebody, but if you're not, but there's no plan B, if you're not keeping the fires running, if you're Mm -hmm. not keeping reloading on young talent and working on building up those guys, then you're not going to get them to come there. Cause it's why would they want to be on that team? Just because your name is the Knicks. And that's why I don't completely, I don't want to say he's not at fault because, like, he hasn't been good. But, like, with Fizdale, that's why I'm going to use a grave because technically he's digging his own grave here in New York. It's like, here, dig your own grave, but he's doing it with a, like, garden shovel. A spoon. I was going to say a spoon, but then I'm like, you know what? R.J. Barrett and them, I want to give him a little more credit. It's like a gardening shovel. It's like, here, win a championship, dig this hole, but you're not giving him an actual shovel to do it with. I think you can make the argument that the roster could be better, and obviously we bash their free agent agent signings, the fact that they signed signed four uh, power forwards this offseason. Um, that was something that I, I think they didn't sign bad guys. Julius no. Randle, Marcus Morris, those guys are good players. Mm-hmm. Bobby Portis is fine. He's a bench uh, Taj, scorer. Taj know? Gibson's old. Um, but that's pretty but much he, it. But he's a good locker room guy. Yeah. You know, the, I mean, yeah, there was the so, one thing, but still. So mm-hmm. I, I think that who's more at fault for the fact that they're three and nine this year, I think that falls on Fizdale. The fact that they sh- they wouldn't be a playoff team this year, I think that's more on Mills and Perry. Agreed. However, it's only been two years of their their tenure. Yep. It's not like the Bulls where, you know, they've been in – Garpax has been in power for, what, two 18 years? Yeah, yeah, 20 years now, and we haven't seen consistency out there. Right now, I would say that the, the play on the floor out there for the Bulls is more on Boylan because there is no consistent uh, rhetoric. It's, he's always off the wall. He's always saying they're playing well, and they're not. I don't think that Jim Boylan's clicking with the, the Bulls right now. Mm-hmm. They have the talent, and I think this team would be better. And I think, but I don't think the, the on-court product is on Garpacks right now. But it, it, they, the, the past twenty years have been on Garpacks. But I mean, I think that's where we are at in the situation. I think Mills and Perry deserve more time. I don't think Fizdale does. The thing that's different too is the Bulls have played teams, especially in those first ten, mm-hmm. that were definitely winnable: Cleveland, Charlotte, um, New York. We lost against. I'm mix, mixing one. Who did we play? Right after, um, right before Toronto, we played somebody else. But you look at the Knicks; their games have been San Antonio, better team; Nets, better team; Celtics, better team. The Bulls, right in their alley, they beat the Bulls in New York. Orlando, Magic are better; Boston's better. The Kings haven't been playing well. Maybe you can say they should have beat the Kings, the Grizzlies. That's right. Yeah, we beat the Grizzlies though. We won that game. Yeah, one time. Um, one or two. But the Kings, you can say maybe they should get a win there. Maybe they should have beat Detroit because Detroit hasn't been too hot to because start the been year. Unhealthy. Dallas, better team than New York. And then, like, Cleveland, Chicago, what? That's four wins with Cleveland, Chicago. I say maybe you can fight that. Oh, you should have won those games. 
what four wins? You should but, be what but five, but should, five and four but should, instead here, of three but, and nine. No. Should they have lost to? Uh, should they have lost to? Um, what's it called? Uh, Orlando by twelve? No. Should they have lost to Sacramento by twenty-one? No. Should they have lost to Detroit by twenty? No. Should they have lost to Cleveland by twenty-one? No. Should they have lost to Chicago by eighteen? No. They could have it's been more competitive in those yeah. games. And the fact that their wins are coming by seven, they're coming by uh, four, they're coming by three. They're barely eking out these games. I'll but tell again, you, as you a Bulls fan, it doesn't, it doesn't feel better when you lose close. When you have a lead no, in the first half and then you lose it's close in the second it's half. It's the product you're putting out on the court. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what matters is they've got young talent and they've got veteran bigs. Like that, That's what this team construction is. And the fact that they can't run an offense out mm-hmm. there is what's killing them. And I... Put that blame solely on Fisdale. That's why I'm I'm all in on Fisdale needs to be removed from the team because the longer he's there, the more time he could be slowing down young player development. Archie Barrett, again, oozing with talent. This kid was, Mm -hmm. for good reason, one of the top players in his high school class going to college. Zion surprised all of us and fucking leaped. John Rant surprised everybody but me. No, I'm just fucking with you. (laughs) Um, But, like, he has so much talent and he can, you know... He, he can maybe in the future run an offense, and that's a great thing. But, like, right now what we're seeing is not that. We're, what we're seeing is almost as similar to what he did in college, and you'd like him to take a step. You'd like the coach in the NBA to help develop the players, and it doesn't seem like Scott Fizz, Scott Fizdale. Jesus. Scott Fizdale. Scott Fizdale. Scott Fizdale Perry. Yep. <laughs> Just throw all their names in one bucket. doesn't seem like Fizdale is really contributing much, and that's why I think he needs to be gone I think the timing has been the most interesting part about this because they made a statement uh, three days ago while we were recording this mm-hmm. about you know the path being cleared for the removal. Yeah. And then you look at their schedule and you're like, oh, they got like two games and then it's murderer's row. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, there's a good chance they could go like three weeks uh, against teams who all have winning records who it would be very hard for them, not impossible, but very hard for them to get a win against some of these teams. So you're like, all right, maybe they'll find a soft point in their scheduling where they do have uh, you know, some worse teams coming up, and that's when you pull the trigger. So that way that new head coach doesn't come in and all you eat is negative negativity because loss after loss after loss. Who that guy is, to me, is a big question because mm-hmm. do you go with an interim guy and then you wait until this offseason to get your guy? If you fire a midseason, one of the assistants becomes the head coach, finishes up right. the year. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be like a T.O. situation because Ryan Saunders is already on the coaching staff. Yeah. So I, I, I would have to look staff. at the coaching staff uh, right now. Uh, they don't list it. Awesome. Fucking love it. Um, New York Knicks. Coaching staff. Sorry, I don't remember. I don't know all their nine mm-hmm. coaches off the top of my head. Um, it's front office. God damn it. Love live podcasting. Uh, We're going to be truly live sooner rather than Assistant coaches are Keith Smart, Caleb uh, Canales, Judd Buechler. I can't pronounce his name, sorry. Judd Buechler. Buechler. Buechler's right. You're right. No, it's Buechler. It's not Buechler, I don't think. Pat Sullivan, Royal Ivy, and Mike Miller. Isn't it Judd Buechler? No, it's Judd Buechler. I know that for a fact. It's Buechler. Wasn't Judd Buechler a a former player? Yes. That's why I think I'm positive when I say it. So those are the assistant coaches. No, nah, um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's let's make sure this isn't the same Judd Buechler. Uh, Buechler. Say it again. Buechler. Spell it. B-U-E-C-H-L-E-R. So Judd, B-U-E-C-H-L-E-R. Yeah, he played for the Pistons in 99. He played for the Bulls in 94, yeah, Judd, 98. Yeah, Judd's currently an assistant coach. Same yeah. guy. Yeah. 
So saying, did you were you saying that? No, it's the saying, pronunciation. You guys yeah, are arguing over pronunciation. Buchler. That's why I know because he was a bull. Judd Buchler. That was Buch. I'm pretty no, sure it's Buchler. Buchler. There's a C in there. Buchler. Mm, I think it's a French thing. All right. Well, you guys let us know. Next time, I'm gonna look it up on YouTube just after hook this. Us up. Um, yeah. Fuck it. Make Judd the head coach. With that, Screw it. with that Fuck staffing, <laughs> with that staffing, like, uh, yeah, you can give it to one of them. That's fine. But like, I don't think that anyone in that team, anyone in that group of assistant coaches, screams future long-term head coach. I would agree with that. Mike Miller is on that uh, coaching staff as well. So you're you're I right. Basketball it. reference says Bushler. I thought it was Buchler. Told I was you. wrong. Told you, my guy. Yeah, Mike Miller's on that staff. So maybe, maybe him. That'd be interesting. Shout out Mike Miller without the shoe. Um, I, I don't know any of the other guys outside of that besides Judd Buchler. Buchler. And, uh, and or no, Bushler. Bushler. Bush, Bush and then L-E-R. Bushler. Uh, maybe Caleb Canellis. Uh, he was a guy with Portland. He was the interim head coach as well. Um, he's a younger guy. He's 41. Maybe that would be the play there. I don't know. He also coached under uh, my guy Rick Carlisle. By the way, that Mike so. Miller is not that Mike Miller. It's not? No. Okay. That would be a good addition. They should add Mike Miller. Um, anyways, let us know your thoughts <laughs> no. down in the comments below. Um, I think Fizdale should be moved because I think this team could be better than what they are, yeah, but, but, I don't think, Izzy, I, I, but I don't think they're going to be a playoff team because of what Miller and Perry have done. But is he removed midseason? I'm going to say nope, finish out the year, and then they probably will make a move from Fizdale. Um, if they make a move, it'll be pre-December if he stays Post if he's there January he'll stay for the rest of the year if he's there it, 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 I, I if he's fired it's gonna be pre before January, January. January. so I was twenty nineteen I will say he's fired fired I think he's fired do you think he's fired Dave yeah I think he's fired Dave when? like it is decided yep. <laughs> when uh I'm with you I, I haven't looked at their full schedule for for that soft spot of games but that's when you'll see it okay. um I'm gonna December go with eleventh uh yeah somewhere around December eleventh looks good why. Because that that's goes, after the murderous row. Then you go mm. Golden State, Sacramento, Denver, Atlanta, Miami. Uh, Miami, who is a tough team. But, like, Milwaukee, then Washington. You've got some games in there that are very winnable. I got my call. It's going to be... Uh, I You're going to... So yeah, there's no... There's it's no a good super. area. I think it would be post a home game. Because I don't think they could fire him on that road trip, that Trailblazers, Warriors, King Nugget road trip. Mm. I don't think he could do it there. So it would either have to be the 17th or the 7th. Um, what I'll a Christmas gift that after would the be 17th. if they fired him after the Wizards game. Oh. Yeah. Aww. Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, if they Thanks. lose to the Warriors, though, on that, that the 11th. Family. If they yeah. lose to the Warriors, though, on the 11th, uh, that would be a fireable offense because uh, D'Lo yeah. is out for two weeks now. So yeah. right now they currently have nine active players. Eight is the minimum to field an at, NBA team. Hey, man, at this point, tank to the top, baby, because anyway, no matter what, the league's going to give the pick to the Warriors. Let us know your thoughts down below. Uh, I, I think the Fizdale is causing a little bit of this trouble uh, in New York, but let us know what you think down in the comments below. Uh, we know Nick fans are very vocal, and we'd love to hear from you. So give us your thoughts, but that's going to do it for the podcast. If you want to help us out, check out patreon.com slash podcast. But for Dave Oster and Ricky Whitmer, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.